Why does this feel like we haven't done this in a while when we just did one on Wednesday night? Yeah, but we weren't together, so it's a little bit oh. different, you know? Yeah, but that should make it easier. Yeah. <laughs> is this hard already? Is that what you're saying? No, I, I feel a little nervous energy <laughs> oh, or really? something. I feel like maybe it's you being here. Oh. You're going to tell everybody why you haven't been here, or you're not going to tell No, anybody? we're not going to do that right now. Really? Still? Yeah. Come yeah, on. Still. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk off the air about it. Really? There's some ramifications. Come on, but you tell you Wednesday, you promised me no, I didn't Sunday promise night. You. No, 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 no. Monday morning. There was no promise. Tuesday morning. <laughs> there's some there's some potential people ramifications. Are, people can guess. Hey, you know, I met a listener of ours today. <laughs> as, well, that makes one. <laughs> as we Come re- on, can't we talk about it? Are there really ramifications? Nice fe- potential. It's nice, important. Nice fella from people Gig Harbor. Need to know. Same uh, daughter, same age as mine. Came yes. right up to me, knew yes. who I was. Really? Yeah. He, he Why? Said, he said you don't look well. I'm very famous. If you, I don't know if you've noticed from my Cube 93 days. Yes. Um, no, but he said he met uh, me at another tournament. And so he recognized me again. Oh, at a basketball, at a kid's basketball tournament. Yeah. You're yeah. Big. Came up, said, hello. Nice fella. He says, I can't wait to hear the podcast. I said, oh, oh, we got a big one. Did, oh. did you rush out onto the court and either push a referee or as is the case for this show, they call it pantsing. Did you pants a referee? Have you seen that story? Yeah, I, I went out and yanked his pants down. <laughs> oh my god! Well, you'd have to be you'd have to be a government official in Tennessee to yeah, be able to right. do that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have we'll get that. to that. Yeah. Hey, we'll do you feel like that. there's a million things to talk about? By the way, yeah, I, I'm so very many. nervous. I don't think this is going to be a good show. I'm just telling you right what? now. Why? Because my I just know I know when I sit down in the chair, whether I have a comfort level and a timing. Yeah. I got the gras coming on, which is really, really <laughs> throwing me for a loop. A it guy is. you've known 25 years. It's throwing me for a loop. I'm getting all nervous about that. I've got all these things going on. I don't feel like I have a great grasp of like the NFL playoffs. I know this is going to sound terrible because I'm the guy who's supposed to have the greatest <laughs> grasp. Yeah. Or at least Mr. Playoffs is. I, I just I don't know my mind. You ever you ever go to the show with Tepper and your mind is just all over the place and you're 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 scared you're going to forget to bring something up or you're going to forget to do this. You just I'm not in a no. place of calm right now. No, I've never had that feeling. That must suck. <laughs> but playoffs. I mean, you think Seahawks fans are dying to hear no, about the playoffs? No, it's a party we're not invited to. I, man. I just. We're good. Let's go. I, yeah, I just, I, what do you do? And see, now that you know, you're knocking the table over. <laughs> but see, I, I think maybe you're used to like taking, like, when did you come back in the, when you did mornings from Christmas break? Did you come back like the ninth or eighth? Or yeah. You, yeah. Maybe you're still in Christmas no, break. No, mode. I just, it? I just feel like I, I just, I don't, I don't have a sense of, I don't feel organized. I've got all these different thoughts. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm sitting here thinking about how am I going to get the two guests on like an upcoming, instead of worrying about this show, right. I'm worrying about an upcoming show. How Steve and I can figure out to how figure out a way to get the two guests that I really want on the show in 2022. Oh, that's what that's where your head is. You're thinking. No, down. I'm just. That's one of a billion things that's going on right now. All right. Well, I have a lot of stuff. If you like me, just to I take got over. Pete I'm Carroll ready. on my mind. I got Russell Wilson on my oh, mind. Yeah. I got your feelings about Rashad Penny on my mind. Yeah. I got. I've just got. I've got future shows. I've got Graz. I've got, I don't know. I got hit the, hit the subscribe button, rate and review. I feel like people aren't going to give us five stars. I don't know. I just, I'm feeling, I, I don't have a sense of calm right it now. It does suck being you, man. Episode 173 is going to be terrible. You I'm just, just telling you that right now. I think you should start smoking weed. I think I, I think you could benefit from it a little bit. Chill out a little bit. Relax. I think it. What are edibles? You, what are edibles? Yeah. Well, do you really need me to break this yeah, down yeah, for you in 2022? Yeah. Is that weed in a pill or weed in like a gummy bear or something? Correct. It's, I don't want to smoke anything. It's no, Yeah, you don't have to do that, especially in Washington State where it's legal. But yeah, it's it's THC, which is the chemical that makes you feel that high 
or you can just get CBD chewy. or you can get a combo of both, which is really and relaxing. And a little chewy and a little sure. like, can I get a Coca-Cola bottle? The ones I like to get it at the mall I'm, that are in the thick. See, now I'm thinking about Coca-Cola bottles. <laughs> those were this good. This is not going to go well. This Coke is not bottles. Go those well. were good. Oh, I loved them. Yeah, really good. I'm the stupid idiot that would get the Coke bottles at the mall and then bite off the little top and try to see if I could pour anything yeah, into right. my That's right. I think we all did that. <laughs> and one time you thought some liquid was going to come out and a little bit of Coke. You're going to have to help me out. I don't think I can do this. No, it's going to be good. I'm, I got a lot of anxiety right now. Well, I, I can't believe how excited I feel after that Seahawks game. I, I swear to you. I, it was so fun. If, if It was so fun. I'm ready to start the season now. You ready to go? Exactly. Let's that's hit. how I feel. You ever... You ever play a pinball machine where you didn't have to pay like you were at a party or something yeah. or you owned it or a friend owned it where you could just hit the button all the time oh, you the wanted best. to just start all over? Yeah. You know what I'm talking of course, about? Yeah. Where you would, your buddy's got a pinball machine. Now, people don't do, see, I'm, I got anxiety. Timely. Nice. That was a timely reference. But I have a friend that has two arcade games. See, I'm thinking about those arcade games at a friend's house, like right here. Yeah. I've got a, uh, thanks to Jordan Flowers. Yeah. I've got a, what is it? Golden Tee. I got a Golden Tee. Yeah, I played it yesterday. Look. If I get off to a bet, if I par the first two holes, yeah. I'm hitting the button. I'm starting over again. <laughs> oh, right? yeah, because you do can. That. Yeah. yeah. When you pay for it, you yeah. start over again. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I thinking about what are we were talking? What were we talking about? Resetting that? for the season. Like, it feels oh, like yeah, we want to start reset. the season. I just want to hit the button. I know. I know. I, I, if I wasn't doing this podcast with you going yeah. into that game, I was thinking, would I even watch? I don't know. But I can't believe how excited I was during that game. I felt so much better. Than I did after the Bears game. After the Bears game, I thought it's over. What I've known Scott, is over. You're not helping me out right now. Oh, okay. This is becoming even less organized. This is like the first <laughs> segment. We're we're in the T segment. I haven't even done the stuff. This is why I'm really worried about episode 173. I think it's going to be a stinker. Get to the test. Uh, what's it, what's it called? The T stuff. So yes. why don't you, you keep me it keep me in the lane? Okay. All right. Help me out here. Uh, I'll help you. Don't go straight to like the other stuff segment. We haven't even done segment one yet. You're on the other stuff. <laughs> That's segment. true. We're talking Coke bottles. We're talking. All right. So tell me about the uh, the gummies. Are they addicting? Well, it depends on who you ask. I mean, you should like, okay, for instance, my doctor said he would not care at all if I took some every night to help me sleep. He, he it, to, Really? To my doctor, yes. my doctor, okay. Yeah. He said, I don't care. You Where'd can you find that. this guy? In an alley? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I, what, yeah. is it, what, what did uh, Dangerfield, Dr. Vinny uh, Boombots or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> you know my doctor. <laughs> What's it, what, what was the old, the old Henny Youngman joke? I go to the doctor. He says, I got six months to live. I couldn't pay my bill. He gave me another six months. <laughs> I love that joke. So, yeah. So, yeah, I don't that know. It's a good joke. Addictive, whatever. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But they don't say it is, really. Is marijuana addictive? It, I'm sure there's studies that would say both. I, I don't know. It's, it's gray. But, yeah, you get a little gummy, and each yeah. one of them is regulated. So, they're, they're 10 milligrams, I've been told. Yeah. Um, and so, you don't have to take <laughs> You don't have to take 10. You can break it in half and do yeah. five or yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. So, it, at least you know what you're getting. Whereas, <sighs> the edibles in my day, you were at your dipshit friend's house who made brownies. God knows what you're what you're taking in, right? Yeah. Uh, one little brownie can send I, you to the moon. Like you know, I didn't you, have friends like that. <laughs> you had no idea what you were. I don't doing. even. I don't know what you're talking about. So yeah, you eat the edible and um, just try like two milligrams. Like before and, I do the show? No, I wouldn't do it before the show. <laughs> no, <laughs> Why? No, no. Why? Well, it, it, you just do it at night. Like kind of relaxes okay. you and chills you out a little bit. You know, that's all. Hey, it's Hotshot Scott here for uh, John Carl's <laughs> Edibles. Uh, let's do. I think I'm ready to do ads for somebody. Let's go. Call me. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. All right, tease. Do it. Episode 173, hit the subscribe button, rate, and review us. So you can check that off the list. Okay. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. What's so funny? I just love how the bell pisses some people off. I don't know why. I love the bell. I just love it. Sorry. Go ahead. I forgot about that. Oh, dear. Okay.
Rate and review. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. $5 a month for all the extra programming that you get each week, like Danny O'Neill and Matt Slickhawk and yep. Randy Mueller and Jason Lockenfor and Peter King and Hotshot and his music profiles. Cost $5 a month. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com and become a patron of Mitch Unfiltered. Piper, Got that up. Piper See, was now gone. I'm relaxing now because I'm getting up. We're, we're getting You're somewhere. settling in a little bit, yeah. Well, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Piper. She was gone Saturday. Yeah. It was just me and my wife at home. Yeah. And I said, look, I I, I got to give this podcast like three hours. So I am continuing to work on okay. the music podcast. A new po- a new music and it took me 45 yeah. minutes to figure out how to put an echo sound effect on something. So that was very productive. 45 minutes for what <laughs> echo sound effect. I figured it out though eventually. So anyway, go ahead. Okay. Um, the one, ge- the two guests I want to talk to. Do you want to talk about that? Oh yeah, please. Know. Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, so I don't know if everybody knows. I don't know how many people listening in the audience actually know about what I'm about to tell you. But there was a guy on December 26th. I believe it was a guy. I don't think it was a girl. Okay. Don't think it was a woman. I think it was a guy. He went to one of the big Las Vegas sports books. And on December 26th, he bet a 20-team parlay. Insane. Now he put eleven hundred dollars down. I'm not, ask me why he put a why it wasn't nine hundred, why it wasn't a thousand, why it wasn't twelve. He put eleven hundred dollars. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about here, twenty team parley. Essentially, he's got to hit every every one of his predictions of twenty. It's, he's got to go twenty for twenty, right. or he loses his money. If he goes nineteen for nineteen for twenty, not good enough. Amazing, right? If you hit nineteen, impossible, out of 20, impossible, impossible right? to go nineteen of twenty. And he had. He had, and this is the guy I want to have on the show, but he's be, he, so far he has not been identified. Okay. Nor is the second person in this story that I'm going to introduce to you. He hasn't been identified either, he or she. And I'd like to get both of them, one of them, somebody on the show. Okay. So this guy on December 26th bets a 20 team parlay. He's got NC. I, I've seen the I've seen the card. Oh, oh you the, asked me before. Yes, the card's out there. Oh, there is a picture. Yeah, there's oh. a picture of the card. Okay, good. NFL games, NCAA basketball Jeez. games. NBA basketball, regular season games, and bowl <laughs> games. And they're all going to happen from December 26th to December 31st oh, last wow. year. Okay. So 20 games over five. I didn't even know there were 20 games in five days. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he has picked essentially, all, and he's put $1,100. And when he does, they give him a ticket, the ticket, yeah. which is already, the odds are pre-calculated. Yep. And the ticket says, it says, ticket will be worth... If 20 for 20, $3.1 million. 1100 to pay 3100 1100 to pay. Now, maybe he picked 1100 because he wanted to go over three. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe, yeah. $3.1 million wow. on 20 for 20. That's what the ticket pays. Okay. So the guy goes home with his ticket and he starts rooting for games. Yeah. He hits all the games on the 26th. He hits all the games on the 27th. Whoa. He gets through the first 13 games, Hotshot. Yeah. 13 for 13. Oh, my gosh. And Crazy. he's saying to himself... But I still got seven right. more to go. <laughs> yeah, seven's a what lot. What do I do with this ticket? I don't know his means. I don't know. He's not a professional. Uh, we know he's not a professional gambler. Okay. He may be wealthy. He may not be. Probably not. He's just sitting around now with this ticket that's 13 for 13. But he's got to go seven for seven more. Otherwise, the ticket's worth nothing. Yep. At which time, and this happens all the time, but I'm about to tell you. So don't think this is like weird. People come in and they buy. These are second market. People buy tickets like this. Right. There are businesses that are made out of people who go out and find parlay tickets that are close or a big ticket that's close, and they offer X amount of cents on the dollar to bail the guy out. 
Because I was going to ask you if, if it happens, if you had a ticket that you wanted to sell that was 13 for whatever. For yes. 20, where would you start? Like, well, no, I wouldn't know either. He was approached. I guess maybe the 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 sports book facilitated the the meeting. Oh, they did. Okay. And a professional came in and said, "Would you like to sell it?" Crazy. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, how would I know how much? I'll give you an offer for it, and you can either hold on to it and try to go twenty for twenty, yeah. or we'll buy it. How much will you give me?" He's offered $162,000. Another random arbitrary number. $162,000. Okay. So the guy now has to make a decision. I could turn right now an $1,100 ticket into $162,000 and not have to sweat the rest of these seven games. Yeah. Or I can still let it roll. And I'm sure if I hit number 14, 15, and 16, I could then probably get 250, 300,000. As we get closer, yeah. I'll get more and more money. It'll be more and more valuable. He took the 100. It's already, already long story short. He took the... He took the 162,000. Wow. Okay. 14 hit, oh, no. 15 hit, <laughs> 16 hit, oh 17 hit, 18 hit, Come on. 19 hit. Oh my God. And the 20th game was December the 31st, the national semifinal between Georgia and Michigan. And he had Georgia on the money line. No points. All Georgia had a big favorite. All Georgia had to do was win. And the game was over in like the first 10 seconds. Not even sweating it out on that 20th the game. The ticket was cashed for $3.1 oh million. Dollars. So the buyer plunked down one sixty-two grand and yeah. sold it for $3.1 million. Yeah, good investment. And the original holder of the ticket put down 1100 and got 162000 back. That's also a pretty good investment. It doesn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're looking at it as him losing three point one million, but he never had three point. No, he never million. had three point one million. And look, if 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 I'm thirteen for thirteen, and you come to me and say I'll buy that piece of paper for one hundred sixty-two grand, you're taking it, knowing I have to hit seven in a row. Seven in a row. Forget what I've already won. But you again, you know that you can hit one or two more in a row, and now it's worth. 200,000, 250,000. Okay. It's not an all or what I I'm see. trying to say it's not an all or nothing. Because he may come it. back to me at 15 for 15. And yeah. Say, How Here's about 400. 400. 400. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if number 14 loses, <laughs> oh, God, so do you. You've said goodbye to 162 grand. That's right. I don't know. And what is he doing after he sells it when the Georgia Michigan game goes off and he knows it's 19 for 19? Does he want the guy to lose? Yes. Without question, he does not. It's like it's like when you give somebody a lottery ticket That's for Christmas. That's not very nice. You don't you don't want your friend to win two million dollars on a lottery ticket, like ten bucks, twenty. You know, of course he wants him to lose. He's not going to sleep. Two what three point one million yeah, 3. minus one hundred sixty two thousand. Yeah, it's a pretty good Christmas. So I, this is a long way of me saying I want either one of those two guys on. Yeah, and we can't. Neither one has been identified. Uh, they're both they're both claiming. You know confidentiality, and they they're asking for privacy. I'd like either one, maybe not both of them together. That might not go so well. <laughs> right? Boy, oh God, I'm I'm taking that. So I'm, I'm taking it. Yeah. Thirteen for thirteen is impossible. In the meantime, hot shot. Not that we've started the show, and this is another reason why I think one seventy three is going to suck. My my mind's all over the place. In the meantime, I told you a few weeks ago that. Your buddy Max Levy and your other buddy Mitch Levy entered a college football pool. That's right, yeah. Where you pick every game, not with the spread, just every game. There were supposed yeah. to be 42. A lot of them were, well, 
a few of them are canceled. Yeah, yeah. And you assign confidence points right. to each game. Whichever game you feel the strongest about, you put 42. the most points on. Yeah. And then the one you feel the least confident went one. Okay, we're down to one game left. Yes. The national championship game, which will be played on Monday night. We're recording this on a Sunday night. Yep. Right? So there's one game. And I believe that 36 games have been played. Your buddy Max Levy and your other buddy Mitch Levy went went 27 and 9 or 20, 28 and 7. Okay. And if Alabama wins, yeah. we win $1,170. Wow. Nice split, work. Split two, two ways. He's he's claiming fit. Even though I, I still haven't seen any of the entrance. Yeah, <laughs> it usually works that way. I I, it, I paid Piper's fifty bucks to get yeah, an NCAA yeah, pool. It all the way. winnings. Yeah, I'm like, where's my where's where's the entry? Where's half the entry fee? So right. I'll get it for you. I was like, oh, forget. It. Yeah, you'll get it for me now. You wouldn't have gotten it for me if we would gone. That's right. Sixteen and twenty five. Right, right, right. right. You never see it. All of a sudden, the guy that I hate, Nick Saban, oh. is worth eleven hundred and seventy dollars <laughs> to me. And then you guys will take the eleven hundred and put it on a twenty team parlay. It's perfect. It works out perfectly for you to win three three point one million. Don't know what to tell you. So now you got to root for Nick Saban. Now I got to root for Nick Saban. Yeah, and he'll probably screw me on this too, and then hate him even Left more. Left the Dolphins. <laughs> That's how that'll go. The one time you sell your soul and root for Nick Saban, he'll screw you. That's yeah. how that'll go. Yeah. Well, I'm rooting for you. Good luck to you guys. Larry Gilmore writes just to correct. Maybe this is why I'm all scattered because Larry's got me all out of joint. Just a correction, Mitch. So you're not corrected, for example, receiving your Pulitzer Prize down the road. Um, he writes, it's not yin and yang. It's yin and yang. Somebody yins, the other person yangs. You know, I, I always use that. Yeah. Or sometimes I use that expression. He says, I say yin and yang, and it's yin okay. and yang. No G on the first one. No G on the first one. Well, I'm one. glad he cleared that Did up. Did you know that? Us. Thank you so much. Did you have any idea? You probably knew that. I didn't think it was ying. I thought it was yin. Yin and yang. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad he takes time to, to write to you because you definitely don't overthink things. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad he was able to get in your head with that. It was very important. Thank you. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Painter writes real quickly. Happy New Year, Mitch. I've written you a couple times in the past. I started listening to your podcast in June of 2020, I think. Started from the beginning and have now finally caught up. You read my first email on the podcast, but I never got any response for my second. Attached below. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, some thoughts. I really enjoy Hotshot. I really enjoy Hotshot's music programs. Oh, great. When he mentioned he got a real job, I was afraid he may quit the podcast. But so far, so good. He's valuable. He's valuable, oh, Mitch. that's great. And not just for the music shows. Oh, that's nice. But? I think you... No. <laughs> I think, Mitch, you are number two. I think you are mistaken about the phrase game-winning home run. Being the same as walk-off home run. In my memory, a game-winning home run didn't necessarily end the game immediately like a walk-off does. If Kyle Seeger hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth to give the Mariners the lead, and then the bullpen doesn't give up the lead in the ninth, it's a game-winning home run. He's wrong. He's so wrong. He's absolutely you know wrong. What he's, you know what he's thinking of? I know what he's thinking of. No. There, there was a stat called, and is, game-winning RBI, okay. which is... The, the guy who's credited with the game-winning RBI is the guy who drives in the run that gives your team the lead for good. Okay. So if I drive in a run in the first inning yeah. and give my team a one nothing lead and we go on to win 6-2 and never get tied, but we had the lead from the beginning to the end, yeah. I get the game-winning oh. RBI. In the, that's what he's thinking. Of. But game-winning home run. He's wrong. No, nah, it, it, it was at the end of the game. You hit a game-winning home That's run. Exactly, exactly right. That because track. we never heard walk-off in the 80s. No, no. Game-winning home right. run is what we used. Yes. And if a guy hit a home run in the fourth, we no one said, and there's a game-winning home run. <laughs> That's right. right. How would you it was know, in the right? fourth. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> well, that they, they, now they use it with, uh, what is it, walk-off sack now in football? I don't like want Carlos to. Carlos Dunlap. Get, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's wrong. The addition of Danny O'Neill was a great move, as was Slickhawk. I always enjoyed listening to Danny on 710 ESPN, even if he did laugh at his own jokes a bit too much, <laughs> as we all do. Yeah, he, right. pro- he provides analysis and opinions that I don't hear anywhere else. Really? I didn't know that. I'll kick him off the show. <laughs> That's right. Who needs that around here? <laughs> I don't need that. It'd make me more... <laughs> more anxiety exposing us they don't need that and finally what ha- what the hell happened to Mr. Playoffs just because the Seahawks were out of it it still would have been very interesting we're NFL fans not just Seattle fans keep up the good work and have a great 2022 Chris Painter All right. there you go Chris so there I acknowledge yeah, the second stop one stop bitching about your emails already God you got almighty. it on. I'm doing the best I can here <laughs> that's folks. right guests the Seahawks no table Joey Fan and Brady Anderson and then guest numbers two and three you know we always have three guests yep they will be the same person. They will, yes. Dave Grosby. Can't wait. I hope people people are all excited that he's going to be on the yeah. show. And I'm just feeling like I'm not going to de- we're not going to deliver. It's not going to be that good. Well, the, the good thing about the Graz is you just you, you you turn him on and let him go. And you don't really have to do much. You just sit back and let him tell stories. And What's your history with the Graz? Turns out he can talk a little bit. Yes, he can. He can put we, some words we together. We all can. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes. Um, so you have I, a history with the Graz? Yeah, so when I was an intern at KJR in 95, he would barely look at me. Um, really? Yeah, I'm trying to wow. think. So, I, But I only met I looked at you. He, he was at Cairo, though, in 95. Oh, but yeah, I, I would yeah, see yeah. him in the press box. Yeah. And he wouldn't even acknowledge me. And Fish was introducing me to him. And then I played cards at Fish's house once in the basement. Some good card games with the Graz. And then <laughs> there's a hundred stories about that basement card games. But so once I played cards with the Graz, he's kind of got to know me. And then he came back to KJR in like 96, I want to say. I don't. This is what I'm worried about with the interview. Yeah. I've told you this before, and I know that you think that I'm crazy. I I don't remember who went where, like with the radio, who was on Cairo when, when you were my intern, or not intern, when you were on the board, when you were a team. All of the years, they all kind of run together with me. So I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. He'll tell me. Yeah, right? I'll, I'll tell you too. I'll, I'll you, be there to so help. So he you. wasn't there when I got there. I know that right. because he was on the opposing radio station yep. and he was the only guy that was nice to me in town. He was like the literally the, the only guy that said anything nice to me those oh. first couple of months. Everybody else, Gastineau was like evil. He was. Yeah, he hated me. Oh, okay. Hated me at the beat. Wanted me out. Oh, I didn't know that. Tried to, everybody wanted me out. I yeah. wanted me out. <laughs> right. Everybody. Cross <laughs> was like, hey, Mitchie, Mitchie the Kid. He called yeah, me yeah. Mitchie. He's the guy who gave me Mitchie the Kid. Love it. From City Slickers, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, City, yeah. yeah. He yeah. said, oh, I'll keep doing what you're doing, Mitchie. You're doing a great job. Nice. Yeah, I love the guys. I don't know that he ever heard of my show at the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, when, yeah. I was a, when I was an intern, it was yeah. Hot Shot, come here. I buy you fly. Sure. Yeah, I buy you fly. He was big on that. He, okay. I can't tell you how many lunches Maybe the guy bought Maybe you ought me. to do this interview, and I'll just sit back and laugh. We'd be standing in, in uh, you remember the rally in the alley at Jalisco's? Oh, do I remember the rally in the alley? So it'd be a huge line. That's where Squatch gave us the stink eye. Gave us the old high hat. Yeah. We'd be, we, I'd, I'd be in this enormous line for cocktails at the rally. I'd be in line. I'd be like two away from the front. Gross would come sauntering up. Hot shot, you're in line? Yeah. You're in line for me, too. You know why? Why? I'm buying. Like, All right. Sounds, sounds good to me. Give me, give me a Cadillac margarita. Just like him. give me a Cadillac margarita. Give me twenty bucks for one drink. I'd buy both. I'd buy both our drinks and I'd pocket the rest. It was awesome. I made money off the garage, but yeah, I mean, endless stories like that. I, I, I remember going down <laughs> Bourbon Street, and I'll say this to him, and I may have gotten this wrong. At a Super Bowl, we would go to the Super Bowl every year, and then he was at the Super Bowl, and I wasn't a Seahawks. Fan. We were in New Orleans, and we were all on Bourbon Street. He was wearing a white. Like feel a warm up suit or oh, something. Oh yeah, like a, like a track suit. Like a yeah. track suit. Yeah, he was in a white. 
And each of the bars, on, don't, don't ask me how they survive, but they would say like, buy one, get four free. Oh, geez. Yeah. At Bourbon Street. Buy one drink, get four free. So he would buy or he would ask, hey, let's all get a... And the lady would come out with like 35 <laughs> right. drinks, but he would say, I want all of mine in one cup. Here's the cup. <laughs> right. God. Just like they do in COVID times. Yeah. Here's my cup. Put all five of mine right in right, here. Right, right, right. And he was walking down Berman Street with this big like Slurpee cup. <laughs> right. Like 72. <laughs> That's what I remember. about. And I think he fell. I'm going to ask him about okay. that. I think right. he fell. And he may have gotten his white... Yeah, it, oh, but I think he the saved the suit. he saved the drink though. <laughs> that sounds. About I don't right think the too. drink came. We'll we'll talk to him. <laughs> I just remember one time in his in Fish's basement. Yes, he was unloading fish. On, on we should have fish on. I know we got to have him back on. Why don't we have all four of us do a show? It's too late. Gra but at, at some point we should. The Gras kept yes. shitting on the food that Fish was serving the entire night. I mean, in a joking way. I mean, yeah. Jeff was laughing. Fish was laughing about it. Yeah. And it was making me laugh so hard. Yeah. Fish brings down these little crappy frozen Totino's pizzas, you know? And the garage is like, look at what the hell is this? Look, I put it on my shirt. No stain. Look, no stain. No stain. What kind of pizza is this? Doesn't even stain your shirt. I mean, all night was shitting on Jeff's food and I was laughing my ass Did off. Did he have a little Rodney Dangerfield in him? Yeah. Or am I, I wrong about it? No. There is something, something there, though. There, there's something there. I don't people know what it is. People thought he resembled the, the Philly fanatic a lot. The Philly, yeah, that's a good one. Because he, he's got the big eyes <laughs> the, and, the, and the, the tum tum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. And then, right, well, I, I, yeah. I love the guy. I've always, he just makes me laugh. Okay. I, just, I love Well, him. we'll have him on for two seconds. Can't wait. He'll be, he'll be guest numbers two and three. All righty, all righty. Back at it in 2022, episode 173, starring the Graz. I'm so appreciative of the overwhelming support we received. Not only from all of you guys, but obviously the sponsors like the brand new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, one of the nation's premier mortgage companies. Jordan Flowers' team is killing it. Great refinance opportunities right now. All you got to do is call them directly. 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. The Levy family loves Zeke's Pizza. Now, everybody knows about their incredible craft beer selection, but don't sleep on the chopped salad. My son Brett and I swear by it. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have pizza, beer, and salads at your door in no time. Homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, who had a tremendous holiday season, reminding you that Valentine's Day is going to creep up on us very quickly here. It's a Monday this year. All Daniel's locations are going to be booked solid in the coming weeks for Valentine's Day. So get ahead of the game with a reservation. Daniel'sBroiler.com. Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of the now complete Beat the Boys competition. Is there a better time than now to look into a new fireplace for the winter? We bought our last unit from John's crew, and they did an unbelievable job. Start your search, FiresideHomeSolutions.com. This is episode 173. It's good to be back in 2022, and it starts right now.
Unfiltered. Nobody who does radio has short stories. Well, Graz was the kind of the it was like the epitome of that. Uh, let me see if I could say this delicately. Um, Graz's stories, first of all, I would say about 24% of them were untrue, and that might be a little bit low. Unfiltered. I don't think you can make fun of a guy throwing out a first pitch who's got Parkinson's disease, but there would be if there was an asterisk. <laughs> They would yeah. say, Graz, you can go after. I mean, Graz, if he were here, would probably say, he'd be cool with it. Hammer me. Yeah, he'd hammer be- me. Mitch is unfiltered. Okay, episode 170. It's not going to be good. I'm just telling you right now. Oh, 173. Okay. No, oh, that's too bad. I thought maybe we'd. No, uh, it's officially under this stinky show. <laughs> Is officially underway, and I really thought—I'll be honest with you—that I wasn't going to have much much interest in Seahawks Cardinals on Sunday. Yeah, I, I thought I would kind of casually watch yep. it, maybe not take as many notes, maybe yep. not tweet as much. But I'm—I got sucked in. Same. Was you did. It. I was loving. I, I don't it. know why. Why did we care? So I mean, that we I, by about the second quarter, it was like I was rooting for a team that was playing for the playoffs. That's it right. was really weird. It was crazy. How really weird. I did not think I'd get that excited at the, during that game. I just remember, like I said earlier, that, that that Bears game felt like yeah the bottom of the barrel. It felt like the, the, the Pete Carroll's gone, or Russell. It just felt like that the era that we love is now over. That was the worst loss I've seen under them. And that we're not going to watch the last two weeks because we just don't care. That's we don't right. care about the last it's two weeks. It's not going to mean anything. So why did, we, cr- why did we all get roped in on Sunday? Was it the Cardinals? Maybe. maybe. Was it the fact that they played well? Yeah. Was it Rashad Penny? Was it uh, Jordan Brooks's oh 20 tackles? And he he missed like three or four. <laughs> right. He whiffed on one drive. He missed like three or four in a row. And, yeah. he had tw- and then you look up, he's got 20 tackles. They're rushing the pass. I mean, it's like they're right. the greatest things since sliced bread. It was like the Chicago this Bears exactly, defense Exactly. This is like the sick kid <laughs> who you take to the doctor and then is feeling great. Right, exactly. It, yeah. uh, what, 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 what? This is not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to suck to the end. And then we're going to fire Pete Carroll right. and trade... Trade Russell Wilson, and we're going to figure out John Schneider. We're going to rebuild the whole thing. Now they go out and they play well. They've got a oh. pass rush. They got a running back. They got a qu- quarterback who's semi proficient. Everything's going well. Everything's going swell. They look like a, a juggernaut. Tyler Lockett decided to Ta- show up. Well, he always shows up. That's right. He never, never misses a game. What yeah, the it was hell? A, I know. It was, it was, by the way, can I just say that I, I think I'm done with that stadium? I, I, I done made, with the stadium. I made a list of bad stuff that has happened for the Seahawks down there. Yeah. Can I just give you a few? Sure. Okay. Let's start with Richard Sherman. I, that's where he blew out his Achilles was at that stadium. I didn't know that. Okay. Some of these things I may not remember where right. they happened. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it wasn't in Houston when he ran down the, ran down the <laughs> field out of shoe. No. Yeah. Um, that was the Earl Thomas. Yeah. The, the finger that I know. Fractured his leg in that stadium yeah. and the finger. Yeah. Before the he thing. got the contract and then right. he gave the finger. Yeah. The last play Cam Chancellor ever made where he got the stinger was in that stadium. Is that right? I didn't know that. That stadium took out the Legion of Boom. Really? They took them out one by one. Now, I don't know what, what was it, Brian Russell or whatever, yeah. or, uh, Brown. Or I don't what know else? What, what else happened in that stadium? Well, Jeremy Lane got hurt in that Super Bowl. Oh, I remember. Yeah. So he got was hurt. Was there a Super Bowl there? That was I well. at a Super Bowl there? What happened in that game? And the reason I bring all this up is because of Quandre Diggs. Oh, that is just heartbreaking. I mean, that stadium, I'm done with it already. Here's Quandre Diggs, who wanted a an extension before the season started, came to the Seahawks and said, pay me. I want to be here. I'm going to have a good year. Pay me. 
They decided not to. He gambled on himself. He yeah. went out and he played the final year of a contract. He played great. He may have been, he may have been the best defensive player on that on that football team. He yeah. goes he goes through seventeen games, plays his heart out, gets to the Pro Bowl, and now he finally is going to get his payday. Right? Yep. Finally, he's set up. He is literally twenty five minutes of game time away. 20, 20, 15 minutes of game time away from being into the offseason where he is going to hit a big signing bonus and set his family up for, for years and years to come. Yeah. And he has that. I, I didn't even I haven't seen it. They didn't show the replay and I could have gone back on the DVR, but I decided not to. Have you have you seen the play? I was just gonna ask you, are you the kind of guy no. that so you know I'm on that thread. I'll look, but I'm not the kind of guy that wants to. So I'm on that text thread with like all my high school dipshit friends. You know, yeah. like eleven of us. Yeah, and th- like multiple are like, oh, look at this one. I rewound and look at that. His foot's backward. I'm like, I oh, I don't, I don't. His foot was backwards. Oh, I, I'm not one of those people that likes to see that. Stop showing me. I, I don't know want you to don't. see it. I know you don't. It like it makes my teeth hurt, or you know, it's like I just I yeah. hate it. I don't like it. I don't want I to see it. I feel terrible. Oh, I, I didn't rewind. I feel so terrible for him. During the play, I saw him on the ground holding his leg. I saw him go down, and it looked pretty serious. Like, as, the way he was holding it and writhing, but I didn't rewind. And he's crying on the way out. Those tears were just heartbreaking. And he's got it? the air cast on. And yeah. listen, if this injury, and I don't know how serious it is, but if this injury is a serious injury and happens in week three, he's got the whole year in the offseason yeah. to recover. He can be ready, hopefully, by the beginning of the next season, sign his new contract, whatever. He does it in the final regular season game. And so if it's a significant injury, there's a chance they're going to tell us over the next couple of days or tonight or whenever that he's not going to be ready to play. He might miss next year for all we know, because it won't be it'll be too soon to come back. Now, I don't I don't know. I don't know what he's got. I'm sure they're different injuries. But, you know, Dak Prescott, that was pretty sad. What happened to him? Very sad. Yeah. But then he ended up, you know, rehab. He's a quarterback. Well, it's still a bad injury. He's a quarterback. Uh, are you talking about from overcoming it standpoint? Yeah, from overcoming oh, it. Oh, but a safety, you know, there's gonna there are gonna be teams, if it's a serious injury, they're gonna say, can he run again? Is he ever gonna be able to run the way he did run? Yeah. Can he get sideline to sideline? Is he gonna have the explosiveness? There are people that are gonna now question whether they should give when a quarterback has an injury and it's not a shoulder or an arm or an elbow, yeah. okay, yeah, does he lose a little more is there a chance that Dak Prescott's gonna lose a little mobility? That's not why they're paying him forty million dollars. That's partly he's mobile and he can escape. That's and- not why they're paying a quarterback forty okay. million dollars. Not a quarterback. You're like a him. safety and you do that. It's bad. It's effing bad and it's terrible. I'm and I'm I'm sick about it. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to give the guy I'm a little sick hope about with the Dak Prescott thing, but you want to go ahead and take that I'm away sorry. from him. I'm sorry. I'm telling you, I'm sick about it. No, I am too. Those those too tears were just heartbreaking as he's getting carted off, damn. Okay. You spent all week sending out tweets and videos. Rashad Penny's not good. Yeah. We all know he's not durable, although some might say he is durable now that he's been able to stay healthy 6 weeks Who the would last say 6 that? weeks. Whoever, whoever is a big somebody in the Rashad Penny family, okay, I don't know. Fine, thank you. But you loved, and I and I said to you the last couple of shows. I've said it to Danny. I've said it to anybody who listen that I've changed my entire opinion on Rashad Penny, the running back. Right. I have not changed my opinion on whether I would pay him. I have not changed my opinion on whether I would make him the featured running back next year. I would not. Yeah. I do not trust 
He looks like he's getting even on plays that he doesn't get hurt on. I know. On runs like the, there was a run. Was he holding his knee at he's one point? Always looks like he's hurt. <laughs> the he's, back of uh, his knee was holding. It looks like he wants to go to the locker room for a couple <laughs> I, quarters. It sure does. I, I'm, I I have not changed my opinion on what I would do in terms of the Seahawks. I would maybe make a minimum play at him, and if he goes somewhere else and gets more money, all the power to him. I haven't. But I have changed as I've told you. Yeah. I thought he was a. T- I thought he was a nothing running back, even when he is healthy. Yeah. I've changed that opinion now. You have spent the last several weeks yeah. trying to convince me, and you even sent out video. Anybody, if they got these holes, it's all yeah. the offensive line. It's not Rashad Penny. Are you telling me he had, let's see, 23 carries, 190 yards? Yeah. Still still nothing about him, all about the offensive line, or are I, you changing your opinion? You're, you're allowed to change, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I am. Thank you You so don't much. have to dig your heels in and, I, like, say – I started this and now I got to finish this. First, let me explain what I actually said as opposed to what you said I said. Okay. I said I think a better running back would have done more with those holes than him. If Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, or somebody else, take Emmett Smith, take somebody else. Okay. I I think they would have done more with those holes than he would. But the the whole underlying message of your messages was he's no good. Not that he's no good. I think he's... Is he better than you... Are you willing to take a step back and say... Okay, he hit some holes, yeah. he broke some tackles, he showed some vision. That that, that last play that he, he got where he scored that was yeah. like sixty four yards. Yeah. yeah. That that was impressive to me. It was I, okay. I, I, don't, I thought you were gonna I, say untouched anybody could have gone. I didn't think he had any kind of home run speed at all. Yeah. Like yeah. his his fifth gear has not been great to me, but he did outrun the safety took a pretty bad angle. But he, he did make it to the end zone, even though he got tackled from behind the very end. But he did make <laughs> it to the end zone. <laughs> he did make it to the end zone. Tyler Lockett and Rashad Penny, you're just not gonna let off the hook. I, I think I mean, I think Rashad Penny's a, probably a little better than average running back. I just, I really, yeah. I mean, he's does he make people miss a lot? I mean, you got to do all those things to be a really good running back. In the, uh, can I give you the last five games? I, I know what the numbers are. I've seen the. Can numbers. I break it down for you? Five last five games: sixteen carries, one thirty-seven, eleven for thirty-nine. Yeah. Against the Rams, as you said, or was it somebody else who said? Has he done it against any good teams? Yeah, that was me. eleven for thirty-nine against the Rams. Correct. Then 17 for 135 against, against the Bears. Okay. 25 for 170 against Detroit. Okay. 23 for 190 against the Cardinals. Okay. Five game total. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Jerry Lewis. Ah, five game total. Wow, there it is. <laughs> Give me a drum roll for the kids. Um, five game total. 92 carries, 671 yards. Now, 671 yards in five games. Is 134 yards a game over five games in the NFL, yeah, and seven pl- over seven yards a carry over five. Okay, I got it. the guy is averaging over seven yards a carry in over five games. That does not happen. That's Good. that's that's Jim Brown like. Now <laughs> you want to you want to tell me that the Seahawks offensive line, the the offensive line with uh, Haynes and. Posick and yeah. Yeah, I, guys, I won't even chuck an accounting firm. I won't even, I, I just, um, I don't know. It's gotta be as much about Penny as it is the offensive line. I don't, I don't agree. I I, I don't think the it's, offensive line. It's they've got a, ter- as, it's they've got a terrible offensive line. Terrible enough to blow holes open. I guess I mean, it's look, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, they've got a terrible, it's offensive not 90, line. 10, you know, they've got this guy, Kerhan playing 
Curran playing right tackle. They've got Haynes, who was on the scrap. They're ready to throw to the scrap. He playing right guard today. You can tell me that Gabe all Jackson day. Jackson was out. I see holes. I see enormous holes. They got a terrible offensive line. Probably, but I see enormous holes when they run block. I'm seeing it. Okay. And I'm, I'm seeing him miss some lanes and some holes. So maybe his vision will get better Hot at shot. some point. Hot They're shot. blowing holes open for him. Hot shot. Yes. There comes a point in the NFL where if you do it over a certain amount of games and yeah. a certain amount of carries. You're talking about the offensive line now. Go ahead. No, I'm talking about him. Oh, okay. Just, okay. just him. No, I'm, I'm talking about him yeah, yeah. And, and the offensive oh, line. Oh, okay. Okay. There comes a time that when the sample set yeah. is no longer one game, 18 carries, or three games, 40 carries. There's got to be a time in the NFL yeah. where after, the, after which the sample set gets so large that the opponent doesn't matter anymore. And you just get you just you just tip your cap and you say, and I think five game a five game stretch of ninety two carries, averaging seven plus yards a carry. Yeah, I'm willing to give the offensive line a lot of credit, but okay. I think at some point you've got to just say, okay, the guy's better than I thought he was he, as a running. He's back. probably a little better than I thought he was. Come on, but you have to give the offensive line the same sample set. Why is it yes. just him? No, I'm gonna. I'm saying. Okay, yeah, I'm saying they're obviously a better run blocking team Great. than I thought they were. I'm absolutely over yeah. those five games. Yeah. 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 All right. Is that it? Let's go. See you. I'm going home. You can do browse by yourself. <laughs> See, I just, it's not going well. <laughs> I think it's going fantastic. There's, there's lulls in the conversation. It's one of my best shows I've ever done. You see, Matthew Stafford joined a couple of quarterbacks as the only players in NFL history with 40 plus passing TDs in a single season with multiple teams. How about that? Only three have done it. And Matthew Stafford is one of them. And who are the other two? 40 plus touchdowns with Multiple teams. You could probably get them. It's been recent. Well, I know one is not number 13 because he wouldn't have played with multiple teams. Uh, uh, no, correct. I, I don't know. Uh, Kirk Cousins. I don't know. Uh, Tom Brady would be one of them. Oh, Tom Brady definitely is one of them. Yeah, and Peyton yeah. Manning. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah he that's played a, on two teams. Yeah, pretty good company why are you for doing, Matthew Stafford. Why are you doing other stuff, stuff no, it's in, not, in it's, the first It's game. NFL. It's football. It's yeah, but Matthew we, Stafford. He that, just <laughs> did that today. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to get the conversation going. You mean going. Sunday. You did it on Sunday. You're no help, so I got to try to bring stuff to the table. Well. Okay, so now what you what do you do with Pete Carroll? I I had prepared this big sh- this is why this <laughs> I know show what you're say. this is why this show is not going to be good. I'm like the writer on Deadline yeah. who wrote this whole story for the show and it was going to be great. I had this whole presentation for you to tell you why I think they ought to change the coach. Yeah. Okay, and I was going to talk about I was going to uh, my the thesis, my thesis was going to be that a lot of people that are naysayers about making a change at head coach are using the quarterback excuse. And let me tell you what I mean by the quarterback excuse. Okay. okay? The quarterback excuse is for people that don't want him to get rid of Russell Wilson, they say, you get rid of a quarterback like this, you may it may be years before you ever get one. Yeah. Back. You may not get, okay, that's a fair, when you're talking about the, there's a lot of people that use that same excuse for reasons not to get you get rid of Pete Carroll you may not get a good coach mm. and I just think that those two arguments are completely different okay the coach and the quarterback are completely different and I had this beautiful I was practicing in the shower oh wow uh with what a are those? toothbrush I had the whole I had the whole thing <laughs> mapped out it was going to be a great I was going to come out like a force of you know they were going to lose the Cardinals yeah. or not Ugly, look good against the, yeah but now I don't feel particularly inspired to give you my even though I don't even though if I were the owner of the team, now I, I have to quantify this. If I were the owner of the team with the money that the estate has, yeah, 
because not every owner wants to pay Pete Carroll $50 million to do nothing. Yeah. You know, he just signed a new contract. It's a very expensive firing if you want to do it. So what I was going to say, and I still believe that if I were the owner of the team with those pockets, the depth of those pockets, I would change the coach. I would. I don't know what I would do with the quarterback. Yeah. Probably will let my general manager decide or the new coach decide. I would change the coach because I think there needs to be a change. This is probably the wrong time for me. I don't know. I know. I felt the same. He's I don't jumping know. up and down with the team and they're winning. And, and what's his problem? He had a chance to get fired and collect $50 million for doing nothing. <laughs> That's exactly he right. blew it. He blew it. No what's kidding. he doing? <laughs> I know. I, I, I was ready for this to be, to uh, be like a 40 to 7 ugliness and everyone sucks. I had it beautiful. Burn it down. And I was excited after the Hot game. Hot shot. My presentation of this, you're yeah. going to say this is the best thing you've ever done on Mitch on Oh, wow. I had it all. And that's one of the reasons I think that this show can't get out of the we can't get out of the gates. Save it. We have no chance. Save it for like week eight of next year. I'm sure we'll be I there. I can't when do it back. in week eight <laughs> when we're two and two and six. And, you know, are we sure that he saved his job with this performance? No. Can she now not fire him? Jody, don't they usually do it on like the Monday? after? Normally like, it's the Monday after. Like, oh, they, yeah. They don't wait around. Right. It's oh, like, you got to do it the Monday after. There's a reason. For is that. there a chance that Pete Carroll gets canned as this podcast comes out? <laughs> I mean, is there really a chance that we wake yeah. up? Yeah, a chance. Yes. Wow. There's a chance that people are listening to this going, "What the hell, Mitch? This is why you need to be on radio because you do these shows eight hours early, and then somebody gets fired." Yeah. Yeah. There's a. Ch- I don't think it'll happen okay. on Monday with Pete Carroll, but for the most part, yeah, I think a lot of these guys. Some of these guys have already been fired. The guys that played on Saturday night, they've been fired already. Crazy. I mean, Russell, what he threw for three, ran for one. It felt like old times. Uh, DK's out there. They got this new running back who's going. Uh, they got the, the, the Chicago Bears defense with the sacks. I mean, it was crazy. I know. I was all excited. I'm like, why? I shouldn't be excited. They I'm just telling you six this. And ten, 11 I'm just telling you this. If they don't. Seven and ten. If they don't make this change and we go status quo into the next year. Yeah. And they do whatever they do in the draft. And they do whatever they do in free agency. And they go into the year next year, and they're like two and four after six. Yeah. I'm going to point back to this game. I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah. see what happened on that game? We all loved that game, didn't you? We all bought in. You all loved that Cardinals game, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we're suffering. Here's where we're, we're we're getting the impact of that game right, right here and now. Now, I don't know. I, I'm not here to tell you that they would have fired him for sure had they lost the game on Sunday to the Cardinals. I don't. What do I know? I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know anything more than anybody else does. And by the way, everybody knows exactly the same. Nothing. Nothing right, yeah. Because she's like a mystery and she's not going to talk to anybody. So I don't know. Yeah. I, yes, there's a chance that when people listen to wow. this, he's already been fired. I've heard from golfers that sometimes you can have a crappy round, but then you'll have a drive on 18 where you, it's like the most sweet. It's normal. Thing you've it's ever normally done. the putt for birdie, but yes. Okay. And it brings you're like, I love this game. Because around like hole 15, you're like, why do I do this? I'm, I don't want to play ever again. <laughs> right. I'm throwing my clubs in the water. By the way, you, you paid to play. Right. It costs money to it costs go out money there. to get aggravated. <laughs> but then right. that, that, that 18th hole. You, you stripe one down the middle, oh. hit one close to the pin, knock it in for birdie, and go, anybody want to play tomorrow? <laughs> That's right. That's what this game I can is. get off tomorrow. <laughs> I got a tea time. <laughs> That's what this game is, right? It kind of brought everyone back. I mean, what were, what were the Cardinals? 12 and four going into that yeah, game? Yeah, they were. That's a good team. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't trust them. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. No, but, no, no. But, I don't even think they're going to win a playoff game. 12 and four. Yeah. Man. They had a good year. That's a good team. They yeah. Had some good players. They, it, was a, it, it was not only a good team. It was a good team that was playing for the division. They didn't know what the Rams were going to do. Yeah. 
It's a good team that was that had their offensive line back intact. They're starting That's right. offensive oh. line back intact for the first time in eons. And yet the Seahawks are Carlos Dunlap looks like he's 18 years old, 21 years old. I know. Crazy. They've got Dunlap coming from one side, Daryl Taylor coming from the other, Puna Ford shoving in from the Kerry Hyder's getting <laughs> sacks. Jordan Brooks is in the <laughs> They've got no-name cornerbacks that yeah. are blanketing the cover. I mean, what what what? Uh, Kyler Murray's like the toughest quarterback to tackle in the history of football. I, uh, this is the reason this show's not going to be good. That's how, that's the reason. That's the reason. One of the reasons. <laughs> good. All right. All right. Um Okay, so we'll talk more about the Seahawks with the guys, Joey and Brady. Yes. Did you notice that in the PA, back was that PA announcer annoying? Did that? Did you notice that at all? What PA announcer at the Seahawks game we were just talking about no, for the last I, thirty I minutes? Don't, I don't pay attention. Third <laughs> down. You didn't notice that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay, well, I've noticed this trend with PA announcers at football stadiums, and I'm I'm, I'm not going to call the guy out because he, he may listen. But occasionally I go watch football games at a specific high school. Oh, this PA announcer is doing his own show. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, at, the, at the high school game. Yes. And it dry. I remember like when I was a kid at the high school games, you would just hear third and two. That was it. Right. I mean, first and ten. yeah, yeah. They have a they have a vivacious personality. Now they're now they're going oh, yeah. for it. Now oh, everyone's sure. doing their own show. Doing this guy show. drives me nuts at the specific stadium, but I don't well, want to call, call him out. <laughs> call him out. I'm not gonna call him out. Call He's him out. He's probably a nice guy. He probably gets nothing to do it, but call him a nice guy, but call him out. I think it's a trend though. Whisper think... the name of the high school. I can't do it. I I, I really he's probably a listener if he likes football. <laughs> I, I don't want to do it. But I, I think this is All a right. new trend with PA announcers. They, they, you put a mic in front of them, yeah, and it's on now. Yeah, now, of I'm, course. I'm, now it's Got their own thing. I'm doing going a morning on. show sure. now. Here we go. Sure, <laughs> guy was killing me in Arizona. So Joe and Brady, and then I'm gonna mess. I'm sure we'll mess the Graz interview up. It's not gonna be any good. That's right. And then we got all these other stuff. And this is another reason why 173 is such a dramatic downturn from the rest of the uh, the quality of the shows. I've got all of this stuff that is kind of accumulated on my desk and all the time that you haven't been here yeah. and we took off last week a little bit and yeah, yeah. I just feel like I'm not going to get everything in and I got things I want to talk about in the other stuff segment. Just let Gross carry the mail for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're paying him for. Come on. <laughs> okay. Gross and Joey and Brady and then other stuff segment. Hey, let's get an update from Daniel's Broiler CEO, Lindsay Schwartz in the new year. Happy new year, Lindsay. How were the holidays for Daniel's Broiler? Happy New Year to you, Mitch. Yeah, the holidays were great. We were super busy. All four restaurants started out Thanksgiving and just kind of went all the way through December. And uh, people were celebrating with us, having a great time. It, it really it really felt like the good old days. So we're grateful for that and, uh, and happy to keep it rolling. South Lake Union, Leshy, Bellevue open fully and downtown Seattle what? Downtown Seattle is Tuesday through Saturday evenings in the bar only. And that continues to get busier, too. People are finding their way there in the evenings and, and having a good time in our bar. And uh, hopefully that continues to get busier as the year goes on. One of the biggest days traditionally, and we all understand why, for Daniel's Broiler, is Valentine's Day. No better place to celebrate Valentine's Day than one of your great locations. This year, it falls on a Monday, and it's weird because Super Bowl Sunday is the day before, right? Yeah, first time ever with the uh, extra game added this year in the NFL. And so we've never been through this before. 
But uh, yeah, Valentine's Day is always a really busy day, and it's on a Monday, which means it's going to be a really busy weekend. People come in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But uh, for those who who make the Super Bowl a priority, just want to give everybody the heads up: don't make your dinner reservation <laughs> Sunday night if you'd rather be watching the Super Bowl. The other nights are going to fill up quick: Friday, Saturday, Monday. So uh, so jump on it. Traditionally, how long do we have? until you're booked on actual Valentine's Day, Monday night. How long do we have to make our reservation? I mean, I would say the first couple weeks of the year, traditionally, Valentine's Day reservations are are booked. Okay, so if you're booked on Monday night when our listeners come to call, then uh, Friday or Saturday night, unless you don't care about the Super Bowl, and then you can do do Sunday night. Daniels Broiler CEO, Lindsey Schwartz. We love Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. First and goal. Wilson rolling right. And he's able to complete it to lock it again. Connor. Just power again. Cardinals take advantage of the takeaway with a touchdown. The receivers on both sides for Wilson. And a breakout wide open. Freddie Swain is in for the touchdown. To see our guys play this well, to finish this season and do so many cool things, it's really, really rewarding. And uh, I don't think they're going to schedule a parade. Well, Taco Time Northwest presents the final regular season edition of the Seahawks No Table. It's not the Not Able tonight. It's the Seahawks No Table in the wake of the Seahawks 38-30 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com. Joe Fan win bet in Las Vegas. It's all brought to you by Taco Time, tacotimenw.com slash careers. And we thank Taco Time and all the people over there that have sponsored the no table the entire season. We'll start with Brady Henderson of ESPN.com. What a game. I was convinced that I wasn't going to pay close attention, Brady. I was going to watch it and, you know, do other things, maybe channel surf a little bit not really pay close, close attention because how much did the game mean after all? And then it sucked me in. It's uh, about halfway through the game. I was, I was cheering as if it were a game that really, really mattered in the NFL. Do you get that sense in the stadium? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly mattered for the Cardinals, you know, because they were playing for, um, you know, a lot of playoff implications and it, it clearly mattered for the Seahawks too, even though it didn't really matter in terms of, um, any having any bearing on this season. And I wouldn't have blamed you if you as into it as you were, if you had tuned out after that first drive where Russell Wilson uh, gets sacked and Arizona returns it for a touchdown. But I mean, it turned into a heck of a game after that. And, you know, I think you really have to give credit to Pete Carroll and the Seahawks because they didn't have anything tangible to play for in this game. And this, this clearly in this game and over the last, you know, six weeks, this was, this is not a team that has checked out. And I, and I, do think that some teams in their position long eliminated from playoff contention may be inclined to check out, you know, they won four of their final six. Obviously they, they had a couple wins over some lowly teams, but they also beat a couple playoff bound teams in the 49ers and an 11 win Arizona team in their building, uh, a, a Cardinals team that again, had lots to play for. So I think you got to tip your caps to them. Uh, for the way that they finished this season. They they were clearly still playing hard. Joe, everybody's asking, all Seahawks fans are asking, 
Where has this been? This performance, this great pass rush, this this great ground game, Russell Wilson, uh, a spirit amongst these Seahawks players. Is it as simple to explain as it's a game that meant nothing, so they threw caution to the wind and they played better because of that? No, I don't think there's a simple way to explain it. Uh, I mean, they went 8 of 12 on third down. We haven't seen that all year. All year. So... Uh, you know, and that's why you can't overreact to this game and let and then be a prisoner of the moment and that this changes everything of how you felt about the team one way or another all season long. It's very impressive how they closed the year and this the most impressive game we've seen from them. But it still wasn't a, a game that meant nothing. It, it feels good because you see that the culture is still there and that means something. They didn't roll over. They played to the end as a number of teams did, despite not having any sort of literal meaning in the games. We saw Jacksonville get a big win. Uh, Houston fought hard till the end against the Titans. The, the list goes on of teams, the, the Dolphins against the Patriots. And the Seahawks were another one of them. So it's an impressive win from them. You keep the Cardinals, a division rival, from winning the division. Even though the Rams lost to the Niners, the Cardinals, all they had to do was win, and they would have been the division champs. They couldn't do it. So it was really nice to see. And it was a complete football game. And Rashad Penny continues his torrid finish to the season. A buck 90, a new career high, another touchdown, a a game-sealing 62-yard touchdown run. It was awesome. I just don't think, again, it's it's something where you look at it and say, if you are feeling super frustrated, like change needed to come, this shouldn't be a game that that skews your opinion to the other side of the pendulum. Well, you both touched upon it, and I know that, Brady, you have some additional comments on this. Yes and no. One of the things that who's ever making this decision, Jody Allen or the, the people that she's surrounded herself with, one of the things that they're going to ask themselves at the end of the year is going to be in terms, how are they playing for Pete Carroll? Had Pete Carroll lost the room? Had Pete Carroll lost the locker room? Was there a spirit? Were they still playing tough and aggressively with a lot of will to win for this coaching staff, even though there was nothing to play for, right, Brady? That's going to be a central question to whomever's making the decision of whether they should retain the coaching staff. Absolutely, yeah, I would imagine. And, and you know, I've, I'm just assuming because, again, a huge reason why – so much is up in the air for the Seahawks is because nobody knows what Jody Allen is thinking. So I'm, I'm, I should preface this by saying, I'm assuming this, but I do think that any person in her position of, you know, evaluating whether or not a coach is going to be back after a losing season like this, that would be a huge piece of the evaluation, certainly not the only piece. And and there's going to be a lot more, but yeah, you, you want to know, like, did this guy still have the team late in the season when they had nothing to play for? And clearly he did. And then this was another example of that. As bad as that loss a couple of weeks ago to Chicago was, I think this was just as good. Again, a team that had a lot to play for in Arizona in their building. Um, and, you know, it wasn't it wasn't pretty by any means. It wasn't a perfect uh, performance, but it was a pretty good one, all things considered. How do you explain, Joe, the offensive line and the run game the last six weeks? I've got the numbers. I did it myself. Brady's got a whole staff of people that do it for him. So I don't know that I've got them right. But I see five games, 92 carries, 671 yards in nine games for Rashad Penny. That's 134 yards a game over five games. And much more important than that, seven over seven yards a carry. Do I have that right? Over seven yards a carry over a five-game stretch. You're too young to remember Jim Brown. I'm too young to remember Jim. But those are Jim Brown type of averages, Joe. How do you... 
How do you put new? And it's a, it's a patch. Look at this offensive line. I'm looking at the highlights as we speak. This offensive line, to call it patchwork, might be giving it too much credit. Great, great run blocking at the least for this offensive line the last five weeks. It's To me, it's sort of an inexplicable turnaround. And you give credit to Rashad Penny for staying healthy and being able to be the bell cow type back that, that this team needed. He's a, he's a superior talent to everyone who's healthy on the roster right now. I don't think there's anyone denying that. It was a bad first round pick, but he was a first round pick for a reason. This was a special player in college with a special uh, set of athletic tools. And he's not a small guy. I mean, we see the breakaway speed, but he's also got the size and, and ability to break tackles and be a tough runner between the tackles. I mean, he's got the entire skill set you would hope for to be a 20 plus carry a game guy. He stayed healthy and was able to assume that role for this final month plus of the season. And he took advantage. The run blocking was great. I don't know why that switch flipped so immensely in terms of the run blocking, but you did see an uptick in third down conversions. Obviously this game, uh, the pinnacle of that going eight for 12. Um, it, I think it, it can be that simple sometimes. Um, and I think Russ played better ball. I mean, it was nice complimentary football, but you know, I think you saw um, some better plays from him. He had the 258 yards and three touchdowns uh, on Sunday and Gerald Everett dropped one. So the, the two turnovers were egregious. He spotted Arizona 14 points, but apart from those two plays, he was tremendous. So that's not necessarily the, the greatest answer in the world for what changed and how did it all work out. And I think that's why there's going to be some frustration of my goodness. If only this season wasn't ending on Sunday in week 18, because this feels like a Seahawks team that was sort of finding its stride in games that ultimately didn't matter. And it's hard to decide what to make of that. Yeah, I, I'm definitely too young to remember Jim Brown, but I do remember Sean Alexander. And one of uh, the stats from our great stats department at ESPN is that uh, Penny joined Sean Alexander from 2014 as the only players in team history with 130 rushing yards in three straight games. So that's something that not even Marshawn Lynch did. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's a combination of things that have been clicking for Penny. Obviously, he's been healthy. Um, you just have not seen him, you know, before this put together not even this many productive games, but just this many games, period, it seems like. Um, there's the opportunity with with no Chris Carson in front of him. The offensive line, I think, has helped a lot. Obviously, you can't run for that many yards without some really good blocking. I think the other thing is, is an interesting one, and to a man, Penny and Pete Carroll and a lot of people in that locker room have talked about the impact that Adrian Peterson had on him. And you might wonder, Adrian Peterson was only practicing for a week because he got there, he played, then he, he got hurt. That's true. And even despite that short-lived on-field run, he apparently really made uh, quite the impact on Penny just in terms of how he practiced. Uh, I think Penny has cited – it's been clear watching Penny how much more assertive he is in a, as a runner. And he cited uh, just watching Adrian Peterson um, as kind of the impetus of that. And so um, it's interesting with Penny that the conversation has shifted. It was earlier this season. Does he deserve a spot on the roster? Now it's now in the last few weeks, it's should the Seahawks try to resign him to a, a reasonable deal which they should. And now it's, I'm wondering after this game, 190 yards and all these huge performances over the last five weeks, could he actually get priced out of Seattle? I mean, that's what I'm asking. actually going to give him. Yeah. That, that's what you said last week. And I, I kind of wonder that now, like these are some monster performances. He's got the first round pedigree. So I, I could actually see that now. There's some team giving him yeah. a pretty big chunk of money. 
I'm going to you, Joe, with that question. Uh, Brady just asked it. All the injuries and the terrible durability notwithstanding, facts are facts. Over five games in an NFL season, the guy's been the best running back in the NFL and has been gashing defenses. I cannot believe, I'll say what I said to you on the uh, no table last week, I cannot believe that there's not one team out of 32 that's going to say, we'll take a shot. We'll give him a little bit more than normal. We'll make him our feature, but we're going to take a shot on this guy. He was the leading ground gainer over the last five weeks in the NFL season. We're going to take, and he's a first round draft talent. We're going to take a shot on him. No, Joe? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it all just depends on what priced out means. You know, the, the running back market isn't just going to explode this offseason. Yes, there is no doubt that the last month and a half, Rashad Penny has made himself significant money in the grand scheme of the running back market, going from, you know, a flyer on a one-year prove-it deal to where now I think, yes, he is going to get a deal to where he is going to be factored into a team's plans for 2022, whether it's as a starter or a featured uh uh, number two in a committee type role and again, and probably a multi-year contract at this point. Yeah. That's where I think that's where I think he's made his money is that it's not just going to be a one year right. deal. I think he's going to get some guaranteed money. How much does that have to be for the Seahawks to ultimately get priced out? You know, is it 3 million a year, 4 million a year, 5 million a year? What is that ceiling of what the Seahawks are willing to pay to me? He's finally cashing in a bit. If you're the Seahawks, you sort of owe it to yourselves and your fan base to say whatever this guy is capable of, we have to make sure he's doing it in Seattle, given that you took him with a first round pick. And, you know, he's now kind of justifying, not, you know, I wouldn't say justifying it, but showing at least what you saw in him pre-draft to go let him walk and then potentially produce elsewhere to me would be just a bad look in the organization. I just don't think it's going to be astronomically expensive to where it should be hard enough or too hard to keep yeah. him in Seattle. I know that we're going to we're going to sit down on the next Seahawks no table for the patrons during the week when you guys have time and we'll go over all the roster spots, what should happen, what you think will happen, your opinions on the different personnel groupings, but I guess I owe it to the listeners since we're recording this on a Sunday night to ask the question Brady, is there a chance in your mind that a decision one way or the other will come down on Pete Carroll like quickly, like so quickly that this podcast is ruined by the time people are listening to this. The decision has already been made either to let him go or to keep him. Do you think it's going to be a fast thing or do you have no sense at all as to the timetable on this? I mean, typically when these things happen, they happen on the Monday after the team's last game. I don't know. I, I, I don't know when it might happen. I, I mean, I'll say this. I do get the sense that there's a lot of uncertainty in the building and that's kind of been reported uh, by some national outlets. And, and that's been my sense as well, that um, there is uncertainty. And a lot of that stems from the fact that again, nobody knows what the team's de facto owner, Jody Allen is thinking. I, I continue to think that it would just fly in the face of conventional wisdom in many ways. One being the fact that look, the, the biggest undoing this season was the fact that the quarterback got hurt missed three plus games and really struggled with his accuracy uh, when he got back. And you, again, conventional wisdom would suggest that a guy who just got a contract extension in 2020 uh, would be safe. And, you know, again, we can go over the financial ramifications of that. Uh, I, I believe that Carroll is one of the higher paid coaches in the NFL at well over $10 million. And so, 
Um, I've, I've talked to one agent who thinks that's right around $12 million. That's what he's heard. And so you're talking about the remaining four years at $12 million. You're talking about almost $50 million remaining on that contract that the team would potentially have to eat, depending on whether or not the contract has offsets and he gets a job elsewhere. But that's potentially almost $50 million that the team would have to eat to move on from the most successful coach in franchise history with no guarantee that no guarantee whatsoever that the guy you get to replace him is anywhere near as good as a, as a coach of a coach. Um, so I, I it, you know, it's like we've talked about, I have a hard time seeing this team remain with the status quo, but it's also, again, it would just fly in the face of conventional wisdom to move on for Pete Carroll. Here is one thing that I wonder if, if this could happen is if Carroll stays but perhaps he, he gives up a uh, final say in personnel decisions to John Schneider. I'm just going to throw that out there as, as one thing that I could see happening beyond that. We'll see. But if it does happen with Carroll, I, I, I imagine it would happen within the next couple of days. I wonder, and I hope that whatever ultimately ends up going down, particularly as it pertains to the, the jobs and job security of Pete Carroll and John Schneider, I'd be fascinated for Jody Allen to do some media and have a conversation with media about what the decision ultimately is, because I think it's one thing to say, I'm sticking with my guy. Pete Carroll is the guy who's going to lead this team. And over the course of the last two, three, four weeks, Pete Carroll has maybe changed my mind and regained my trust that he's the man for this job. I want to know if this last month, despite games that didn't mean anything for the playoffs, showing that the team still was bought in and fought till the end for him and all of that. I want to know if, if, if on Sunday's game in week 18, beating the Arizona Cardinals on the road saved his job. And for what it's worth, Carroll was asked if he has any questions about his future. He said, no, he said, I'm in great shape. So he expressed uh, an expectation that he is going to be back next season. I think the way that we and everybody have been looking at this is, you know, if, if the Seahawks were to move on from Carroll, I think we've all kind of thought that it would be because of this season. And I wonder, you know, there's a report from uh, the NFL network that kind of put it in some slightly different terms that I think is, is interesting, which is that it, it wouldn't be because of losses. It would be more because he and Jody Allen don't agree. They don't see eye to eye on how the team should be run moving forward. So that is something else to consider for what it's worth. Carol said he doesn't have any question that he'll be back. I don't know that he would necessarily know that either way. Uh, we'll get to the taco time players of the game, but I'm going to put Joe on the spot here. And again, I want to remind our listeners that are patrons, the three of us are going to sit down uh, this week and do a rock'em sock'em edition of the Seahawks no table where we go th through the personnel we go through the GM, we go to the quarterback and trades and drafts, and we'll assess the roster this week. But I'm going to put Joe on the spot. Why? Because I like his haircut. I am going to put Joe Fan on the spot. Jody Allen calls you tomorrow morning in Vegas and says, I'm a secret fan of yours all the way from your 49er days to your Seahawks days. But what really, what really is the coup de grace is the way you handle the Unfiltered Mitch podcast. I really like you, Joe, on Mitch Unfiltered. I really want to know. I won't tell anybody, but I really want to know what you think I should do with regards to Pete Carroll and why. What are you going uh, to tell? He put his hand over his face. Jeez, I, I didn't think it was that hard of a What are you going to tell Jody Allen? It is. It, it is, though, for all of the reasons that Brady mentioned. I mean, this is the most successful head coach in franchise history, and 
I think as hard as it is for a team to to find a franchise quarterback, it's just as hard to find a coach that's able to build and sustain a winning culture. And Pete Carroll, maybe more than any coach in all of football, could teach a masterclass in building football. I really believe that. And, and what he's done this last month of the season, I think has been impressive that this team hasn't folded on him. But you look at the track record of where this team has been heading and it has been a year to over year regression. And yes, Russell Wilson's injury, while it is the team's big undoing this year, it also sort of serves as a, as a, a scapegoat to, we don't have to necessarily know or we won't know. We can't know what would have happened had he not gotten hurt. Russell Wilson wasn't the setting. wasn't setting the world on fire. Correct. He blew games. The offense blew games. The team blew games against the Titans and against uh, the Vikings, Vikings early in the yeah. season. Yeah. He, he wasn't playing great football in that Rams game before he got hurt. He wasn't playing well the entire second half of last season and getting embarrassed in the postseason. Uh, against the Rams that led to the firing of, of Brian Schottenheimer and the hiring of Shane Waldron and the whole circus that happened last offseason. I just, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment to one playoff win over the last five or six years. What since 2015, this is a team that has largely been underwhelming and underachieved. And so I think moving on from Pete Carroll or John Schneider would be justified. I also think bringing them back is is hard to argue with. Given no, I know I'm being no, wishy washy. No, I say Joe and Jody are on the phone. Joe and Jody are on the phone. I this say is not what I've. This is not what I've experienced with you on Mitch Unfiltered. She's going to say, "Stop being wishy washy." You're always very to the point on that unfiltered Mitch guy. Well, I, on I'm grateful I don't have to make the decision. Yeah. And I also, again, I don't, I don't trivialize it. I don't want to come out and say unequivocally you fire Pete Carroll because it's just obvious. It, it is a very nuanced decision and one that will have, will have seismic ramifications for the Seahawks. And if we're talking money aside and, and really money, you know, 50 million is a lot of money, but it's still a drop in the bucket for Jody Allen. I think you move on from Pete Carroll. Okay. That would, that would be my final answer. Fire him Jody. And thank him for his service. And you can build a statue. And write him a check. Out the door. Write him a check for forty-eight million dollars, which brings us to the Taco Time players of the game and a thirty-eight to thirty victory for the Seattle Seahawks in Arizona, despite kind of giving them a couple of touchdowns on uh, on turnovers, a pick six, or actually a scoop and uh, score, and then a near pick six. We'll start with you, Mister Brady Henderson. You get the pick of the litter, Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com. Taco time. Who was doing some work in Glendale, Arizona, besides Brady Henderson? I'll say Jordan Brooks. And he was doing some work to the tune of 20 tackles, uh, which tied Bobby Wagner's single game franchise record that I believe Wagner set earlier this season against Tennessee. And it also uh, pushed him to, I believe, 184 tackles this season, which breaks Bobby Wagner's single season record that Wagner set a couple weeks ago. Uh, for the most tackles by any player in team history. Um, I think this game was kind of emblematic of the season that Jordan Brooks has had. Very productive and very good overall, but but still there's a lot of room to grow there. And I think on the same drive that he broke Wagner's record, 
he also had a pretty bad sequence, a few, a few plays in a row, including a missed tackle on James Connors, 20 yard touchdown run. So missed tackles. That's not been his problem. This season. he's made a ton of, he's made a crap load of tackles, a record crap number load. of tackles, crap but, load. Um, yeah. There's been some issues in pass coverage, some issues identifying screens, but that I think he largely got a lot better at right around midseason. Um, that was no longer an issue, but there have been some issues. He's been targeted quite a bit in coverage. So that's going to be an area of his game that he needs to get better at. But certainly that does not, that does not change the fact that he looks like a, a cornerstone guy for them, a, a building block uh, and certainly a very good pick as a first rounder, which I think is context for, you know, there's all the conversation about how John Schneider supposedly can't draft. Well, not like he misses on everything, and I think he he hit he it hit on uh, Jordan Brooks. So, what do you want to say about Jordan Brooks, Brady? Well, I already said it, but I'll say it again: that Jordan Brooks was doing work, some work, doing some work, doing some work, some work. doing a when lot of work. When did it become some work and not just doing I don't work? Know. Doing work, okay, doing work, Joe. I will leave future Miami Dolphins franchise running back uh, for you, Mitch, <laughs> I, I will take, uh, I, I you got to note Tyler Lockett uh, who continues to dominate the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, this dude feasts on that Cardinals secondary twice a year, five catches for 98 yards and two scores. Um, also want to give a quick shout out to Quandre Diggs, who sounds like with no ligament damage, that injury as gruesome as it was is best case scenario to where I think Ian Rappaport reported that four months is the kind of the, the timetable to return should be back full go with a fresh contract uh, under his belt by the time next season rolls around, but just a gutting injury. And you see the emotion, you see the outpouring of support. Um, and, and you see when guys hold out and want their money and, you know, Fans want to take the team's side as Seahawks fans, fans of the jersey or fans of the player. You understand that mentality, but at the same time, when guys are trying to cash in, it's such a gruesome sport. Um, this is a perfect example of why. Um, I mean, my goodness, Earl Thomas, same position, same stadium, wild. So the yeah. good vibes out to him. Um, I'm going to give a defensive line some love. Puna Ford is tremendous. And then Carlos Dunlap. Two more sacks. Can you just it, let me? Can you excuse keep me? Going, Joe. Excuse just me. take Jesus, them off. Jesus, Joe. Just do me a favor. Well, sorry. Pick a there guy. was a lot of work being well, done. Well, and I got to go. I don't you. go. I, I, who said I want Rashad Penny? Who said I want Rashad Penny? He's, he's future Dolphins running pick back. Pick a freaking guy, Rashad Joe. And stop going through the whole damn roster, for God's sakes. Pick a guy. All right. Sassy. I, Sassy. I've picked a lot of them. I've picked a lot of them. Just pick a guy. Uh, and then uh, Carlos Dunlap, a would half you, a sack through you 12 just weeks pick of a, the season. Pick a freaking guy. He's got to send the uh, official list to Taco Time. Geez. And now he's got eight and a half. Pick hey, a here's guy. The here's the deal. Taco Time's looking for more than just one manager. They're, they're looking for talented people <laughs> yes, across the Pacific yes, Northwest. Yes, but there's three so, of us. There's yeah, three of us. They, you're not the okay. only one. I want to leave some. I have things to say, and you're taking every guy out of this. Just pick a guy. Pick a guy. Who is doing some work? Everyone was doing some no, work. No, no, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> Pick a guy. Who did you? Did you? Did you decide you're going to go with? Um, who did you decide you were going to go with? Everyone, all of them. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Carlos Dunlap was doing some work. Half a sack through twelve weeks of this Frickin season. Guy. Finishes with eight and a half. There's my guy. Thanks a lot, Joe. You came back to my guy, and now but I don't you're, remember. You're lucky you. You get to talk about future Dolphins franchise running back Rashad Penny. Can I just say while you're talking about future Dolphins, one and seven to start the freaking season, and they finished over 500, nine and eight. And really, if you watch the game, they took the Patriots out 
by the seat of their pants. They were doing some work. The Miami Dolphins. Okay, nobody wants to hear that. Rashad Penny, 23 carries, 190 yards. 92 carries, 671 in five games. 134 yards a a game and seven-plus yards a carry. He's my Taco Time player of the game because he was doing some work, and Taco Time needs you to do some work. All right. TacoTimeNW.com slash careers. That's it. As the new, um, not new KP champion, as the now back-to-back, however you want to say it, two-time defending KP champion, I thank you guys. We thank Taco Time for all of the the support this uh, this football season. Sorry, we're not talking about the Seahawks in the playoffs. I'd enjoy that, but that was a hell of a that was a hell of a finale in Glendale, Arizona. Travel home safe, Brady. Thanks for all your time. ESPN.com's Brady Henderson. Thank you. See ya. And my man, what are you wearing? Gonzaga Bulldogs tonight, or what is that? Go Zags. Go Zags. My man, Joey Fan, from the Harvard of California, Chapman. Is it university or college? Chapman University. University. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Jay Flo is in the house. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. How are we doing at Cross Country Mortgage? What are we, about six months in now? We are pretty much six months in. We're doing wonderful. Thank you, Mitch. And I appreciate the Mannheim steamroller intro. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's been a wonderful season. Wonderful year. Just blessings and wrapping things up here. What's going on in the mortgage industry in terms of the holiday season? Do things typically slow down this month? You know, uh, typically they do. Historically, the Winter months, Christmas time, Thanksgiving, and January are the quieter months as everybody kind of prepares for the buying season. Things are still incredibly busy with people trying to squeeze in with last minute refis and take advantage of still trying to get in the high 2% range with wherever their rates were at or shortening the term. So we're still staying busy and active and people are getting pre-approved and still trying to get ready to buy for homes that come on here. So hit me with some numbers on a 30-year fix, Jordan. Yeah, if you look around, they're going to be in the low threes. We're doing everything we can here at my branch and cross country to help our clients out and figure out a way to get them still in the high twos without passing on any charge for it, any discount points for it or anything. So we're still trying to help people take advantage and capture that two rate before they go away. So assuming I've got good credit, a good credit score, what should I be looking for in my mortgage and my current rate that would tell me, hey, get on the phone with Jordan or somebody like Jordan just to explore what's out there for me? Yeah, I'd say if you're anywhere in the mid threes, right? Right now on a 30-year fixed, um, it's worth a call, especially to take advantage of the rates. If you're seven years in, five to 10 years in on a 30-year and you're thinking about going maybe to a 15 or a 20, could be a good time. We're still kind of in the mid twos on a 15-year fixed. Um, so definitely something to take a look at there. Yeah, anywhere in the mid threes, I would say. Beautiful. And we remind our listeners that you don't have to start all over. You can keep the mortgage right where you are in its term, right? You are such a good listener, Mitch. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Any, any any amortization period of months between 20 years and 30 years, we can set it at, and we can look at 15-year options and, and lower even. But yes, we can set it to any term. And you can take some money out for the holiday season. You can take money out for the holiday season, prepare for college or yeah. s- school for your kids. Yeah, consolidate any debts you might want to have at a low 30-year fixed rate still. It's a great time to do that. Phone number? How do we reach you, Jordan? Cell phone, 425-890-2957. And email is teamflowers at my 
mycmortgage.com or Jordan period flowers at mycmortgage.com. Jordan Flowers has been exceptional. They've been a great partner since just about the beginning. We love Jordan Flowers. We love Cross Country Mortgage. Unfiltered. Every single position group is set but one, and it's the most important one, quarterback. And, I mean, going into this year, the likelihood is, Bob, unless Tavares Jackson wins the job, which I don't think anyone thinks is a good scenario just because of the scenario he's in, that'd be the third different starting quarterback in three years. Well, Hotshot Scott, it's yes. that time. It's it that time of the uh, of the show, episode 173. Where we call, I told you I was nervous about this because it's not often that I feel that I'm out proed on the show. I know. People, somebody with a better voice, too. I hate no, that. No, no, part. no, no, no. I, I always have people on that have better voices. That, okay. uh, that, I, got, I got through that with my counselor, my therapist, a long time ago. Okay. It's, when, it's when I have somebody on the show that just, uh, you know, is me times, times a thousand. And ladies and gentlemen, joining us, the sad part about all of this is that every time that we have a guest like this, it seems like they're ending their career. Why do they end their careers with me? <laughs> no one's allowed to talk to you until they're done with radio. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the Graz, Dave Grosby. How are you, David? Great to see you guys. Doing fantastic. Thanks for being on. What has the last couple of weeks been like? What's the last couple of months been like? Sad? Happy? Where are you on this, Dave? Um... You know, it, it's funny, Mitch, uh, re- retiring is, is not what it used to be. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, when you retired, you were finished. There was nowhere to go. There was no, you know, if you, you had a radio career, the radio career was over. There was no other medium to go to. Now there's there's mediums galore. I mean, when I think uh, I tell you what I've been thinking about the most is how much things have changed since since I first started doing this and, and first started doing sports. And and you guys know at, at KJR, we were the third or fourth station in the country to, to try the all sports format. Uh, you know, there was no, no idea that it would work or anything like that. And then to think of what, what it's become number one and what, what preparation has changed in, into number two. Uh, it's just, it's just unbelievable to me how, how, how much the business has changed. Where are you in your health? Let's start right there because that's what's most important to me. I could say that you and I have known each other for a long time, maybe not as long yeah. as you know, some of the other guys in town, I'm going to talk talk to our listeners about a story that's still very near and dear to my heart the first time I ever met you. We've grown apart because of probably my doing more than anything else. I'd like to know, and our listeners would like to know, where are you health-wise, Graz? I'm alive. So, um, <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is a good start. Um, you know, I've got Parkinson's disease, which was diagnosed a couple years ago, which has not really sunk its claws into me too badly yet. Um, I'm still steady, uh, things like that. Uh, I feel it in some other ways. Uh, I've got other issues, you know, to be honest with you, Mitch, uh, you know, the, it, life has become a challenge and it's, uh, it's just the way it is. And, and uh, you know, I don't feel bad about it. I had a, had a very good time getting to this point. Uh, but health-wise, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a day-to-day thing. Some days are better than others. Fortunately, this day is going really well right now. And, and uh, you know, hopefully I've got a lot of good days to come. But 
If I don't, I don't. I mean, it's not something that uh, that I tend to worry about because it's not something that I can control. Did it impact your work schedule? Did it impact the end? How does health factor into where you are and where you were in your career, Graz? Oh, sure. I, I think I, I think although I probably would have been thinking about getting out around this time anyway. Uh, I would say that my hand was was definitely forced. My health, uh, really, my problems began about four years ago uh, when I had uh, I had uh, surgery on my leg, uh, vascular surgery on my leg, and I developed. And this may have been Parkinson's undiagnosed at that point because Parkinson's is a lot of things uh, beyond just shaking. In fact, twenty five percent of the people that get it never shake. Uh, but insomnia is one of the things that, that I had, and it really uh, it really knocked me for a loop and and it, it triggered a depression in me. And, and uh, you know, I, I heard you talking about it uh, quite candidly uh, in uh, in your first show. And, and uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's a real thing. It's a physical thing. It's a weight that you feel. It's it's something that it's very hard to get out from under. And um, when I was feeling that way is when I found out I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. So uh, that added to it on, on top and, and, you know, managed to rally from that to a degree. Uh, and uh, actually, the guys at Bonneville were incredibly, incredibly generous. Dave Pridemore, Mike Salk uh, in particular, uh, they gave me what, what I called uh, when Larry Stone wrote that nice piece about me in the paper. They kind of gave me a parachute out, uh, a three year uh, post as, as studio host emeritus. So I just I just substituted a few times and and then they uh, they bought out the remainder of my deal uh, at the end of the year. So. Mm. Uh, the station treated me well, but uh, no, uh, physically is, is why, I, why I had to step back. You know, you got to just like in sports, Mitchie, you got to be able to answer the bell. And uh, I can't do it on a daily basis anymore. So the stories about you fist fighting Dave Wyman aren't true. It really was about your health. <laughs> we, we, we can put those to rest. Oh. <laughs> I, I tell you, Dave Wyman is such a great guy. And, and the thing about it is hot shot. It makes me laugh when you say that because he has what I call linebacker eyes. Okay. You, know, <laughs> you guys have all talked to football players. You've all talked to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, quarterbacks have their way and, and they're, they're, they're madly, maddingly analytical and everything like that. Linebacker eyes are just. <laughs> right. And he could turn it on and scare the hell out of you. Right. So no, 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 never, never would fist fight with him and, and would always tread lightly around him. Uh, Plus he went to Stanford for was, crying out loud. So he was, he's smart and frightening. That's right. <laughs> so, so I came in 1994, December 94. I had my, my audition, I was hired by KJR to do the midday show and ended up replacing the sports babe in 95 in the middays, a KJR. You were not a KJR at that time. You had been to right. KJR. For our listeners, and we, we have, I think we have an eclectic crowd that listens to this podcast. It's not the same listeners completely that listen to our radio shows back on KJR. Kind of go through it with us a little bit. You came one sure. year. I know the story about your dad. You and I have both have that common, a common thread our love for our father, our respect for our fathers, like so many else do, to kind of walk us through the Gras story as it pertains to Seattle, at least. Absolutely. Um, so I was uh, in, it really starts in California. I was in Sacramento and, and I, I first did a sports talk show for an hour then there, but there was no real idea of doing sports radio long-term. It was all about play-by-play. And I was doing some Sacramento Kings play-by-play and, and was content in staying there. And then uh, my program director, to make a long story short, went down to Los Angeles to a big station, KFI, wanted to hire a good friend of mine to do mornings and hire me to be his co-host. 
And I had done mornings way in the past. And, and so was willing to do it because they were give me a weekend sports talk show and let me let me act like a lunatic. And then my friend couldn't get my friend couldn't get out of his contract. So they asked me if I wanted to host the news show. So it's a regular news block. I've never been a news anchor before in my life. And I'm replacing Gary Owens, the guy from Laugh-In, on KFI, <laughs> one of the great stations in, in Los Angeles. And, and, and just a, a real fast aside. So they're run by Cox Broadcasting, guys from Atlanta. We do the first show. We we'll do a few practice runs, and then we do the first show. And I remember thinking, well, this went pretty good. You know, I, I walked out of it. You know, it had a few bumps, but it went all right. And I, I turned the corner and the executives from Atlanta were all there talking with the, with the station manager. And they looked like someone had died. And I realized <laughs> at that instant, I'm in trouble. I'm in serious trouble. I've got to find something to do. Uh, so my dad had gotten my wife into radio and she was working at a rep firm. There used to be rep firms yes. that uh, handled national advertising. And so KJR was one of the stations that she was handling. And our good friend, Allison Hesse yeah. was the, was the national sales manager. And she came down and visited. And, and uh, I said, you know, laughingly, keep your ears open. Let me know if they can do anything. But, you know, KJR was a rock and roll station. They weren't going to do anything. And then sure enough, she called and said, Hey, you know, we went to a sports opening and, and uh, my wife told me that. And I sold her, I said, honey, it's nice of you to say that, but you know, you don't understand that, that sales doesn't get talent jobs. <laughs> and of course it, in this case, it was completely wrong. Sales did exactly do that. <laughs> And, and, uh, I didn't, I did not have a sports tape. I did not have a sports tape to do. Oh. So we were the, we were the home of the Los Angeles Raiders. And so they were doing long pregames like we do, do nowadays. And so they said, you know, my boss there said, look, I'll let you do a half hour of the pregame show with Jim Plunkett. And so I did it. And that's the tape that I sent up and, and it wound up working. And then, wow. uh, you know, to wrap, put a bow on that about 25 years later, when I'm doing Seattle, U. They're playing a game at Stanford and Jim Plunkett is at the game. And so I was going to ask him to go on at halftime. And before that, I, I told him the story. I said, you know, I'm really kind of you're really sort of responsible for my radio success. Uh, I did a show with you down at KFI and I used it to, to, to get my career going in Seattle. I've always wanted to thank you for it. And he looked at me and he said, what? <laughs> Who are you, kid? <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, and I was, would you do the halftime show for me? And he said, no, no, I won't. Oh, oh. that was that. <laughs> we really didn't do it. Gross, we, but we, so that's. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, when, when you were doing mornings in L.A., please tell everybody what, what your commute times were to and from work. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. Because I, I hated working mornings. We lived in the West Side and the station was in Koreatown. So I, I, I did the Larry King show was my, my way into work. And I knew when, when he played the Duke Zebert song, oh, you might remember that. that I was there. The I, was, I was, I was in the next studio next to him in, in Washington, DC. He played the Duke Zebert song, a long rendition so that he could be in bed by the time the show ended, he'd get into his limousine and be in, he'd be in his condo and in sleep. He wanted an extra long version so he could end like seven minutes before the hour. Right? Exactly. It was seven minutes. It timed it perfectly. So, I knew if I was if I was midway on my my commute in going 75 miles an hour on, on Interstate 10 in California, that I would make it on time. I'd be there 30 seconds before I went on the air, right. which may have had something to do with my lack of success, by the way. <laughs> Come to think of it. So, uh, yeah, so so and that was, you know, Rush Limbaugh, actually, the late Rush Limbaugh was a guy who had worked with in Sacramento, was was on the station there in L.A. and. And they had a great lineup, Tom Likas, all these terrific broadcasters, and, yeah. and me in the mornings, just a disaster. So, so <laughs> Allison called. I come up to Seattle. Yeah. My second day on the air, they, they decided to expand. It was, it was Rick Dupree and Kevin Calabro doing a two-hour show. 
They decided to expand it to, to five hours on their way to doing the whole thing. Barry actually wanted to go all sports. Right. And it was Bob Blackburn that I was going to do the show with. Bob had never done a talk show before in his life, was a little bit bitter at not having the Sonics thing still be his a little bit. He wasn't very happy doing it. Anyway, the second day we're on the air, Desert Storm starts. <laughs> and I, I said, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. And there, there's no, we, we can't go to any other station. They give me a piece of wire copy. Do you guys remember yeah, wire sure, copy? Sure, sure. Used to be in the day, you just have wire. And it said, Desert Storm has started. And they said, Phil. And for 45 <laughs> minutes. On a sports station. Because I worked at a news station. I'm just tap dancing. Right. And Bob is sitting there like this, doesn't want to talk to me. It's not, not that he's mad at me. He's just upset at his circumstance. Yeah, I never blame yeah. him for this. Yeah. But, you know, so so the second day on the air, we wait and we join Cairo radio because oh, they're geez. playing. They think it was emergency broadcast stuff. So my first ratings book was the, the station at a point one or something like that. It was the <laughs> lowest it could possibly be. And Barry accurately extended my contract that day because he thought the show was good and he thought the things wow. were going well. But, you know, in the meantime, my whole goal was to work at Cairo because I had heard of Wayne Cody. I knew that's where that was the station to go to when I'd done my investigating. So I said, you know, sports radio is never going to make it. I'll use this to leapfrog to Cairo. And literally, I'm, I'm going in the air and I get a phone call. Someone in the sports pit tells me, I think Pat Haller or someone like that. Uh -huh. Hey, you got a call. <laughs> and I said, who is it? I'm going in the air in five minutes. And they said, Joe Abel. I said, I don't know any Joe Abel. And oh. Mitch Pohl, our old friend, Mitch Pohl, who worked for the NFL for a long time. Sure. Because, well, he's the general manager at Cairo. And I said, I'll take that call. <laughs> so I took the call and he offered me, you know, the opportunity oh. to do the job. And, and. So I wound up going to Cairo, which I regretted, unfortunately. What year? It you was know? 19. Yeah, it was uh, 93. OK, it was the Jack, Jack, December of 93. I was there from 93 to 95. I was there for three years and did pre and post on, on the games. And it's funny because he originally dangled the, the Seahawks play by play job. Pete, Pete ah. Gross had just passed away and then said, you know, no, it's going to go to Steve Thomas. But we're carrying the Cougars and their play by play guy is really old. He'll probably be retiring soon. That was Bob Robertson. <laughs> who had 20 years left. That's right. So. <laughs> oh, God. By, uh, by, by the way, girls, so, I, I remember those commercials for Bob Blackburn on KJR. There was like a TV. You guys have TV commercials. I was like a high schooler. And I just remember him saying, steroids are disgusting. Add on extra muscle for what? Early death? <laughs> Me and my friends used to love that. <laughs> well, you know, Bob, Bob was a great, great pro and certainly a great play-by-play -play guy, but, but was not a talk show host. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if it had stayed that way, the station probably wouldn't have made it. Okay, so you come to Seattle to KJR. You go to KJR to Cairo in 93 I come in 94, 95. You're at Cairo. I'll tell that story in a bit. Talk about going back and forth and life in Seattle and and sports talk radio. And yeah, yeah take it. Take your mind wherever it goes. Graz. In these early days, you're talking about. Yeah, Mitchie? yeah. Any, any, yeah. And those early sure, days going back sure. and forth. Yeah. When they said they wanted to do the sports line show, which was the Wayne Cody show from seven to ten at night. Uh, I said, all right. And I said, what about when the Mariners play? I figured I'd have four months off. Right. I said, no, we're going to do it on FM. I'm like, on FM? Why would you want to do it on FM? What sense does that make? And it's seven to 10 on FM. Uh, and so the very, I, I, I'm pretty sure the first night that I did the, the FM, uh, the FM sports line, or one of the first ones was Chris Bazio's no hitter. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And I went into Joe Abel's office. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'll go, I'm going to the games. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And so it was actually, you know, doing, doing um, the Mariners pre and post gave me a chance to get to know Dave Niehaus and Rick Riz real well. And, and Niehaus especially, I mean, hit it off with him right away. And, and it was very, very exciting times over there. The Cougars actually, that was Chad Eaton and the Palouse posse. They had a, they had a tremendous year. They played in the Alamo bowl one year. And then 95 was just un, unbelievably fun. Uh, you know, I, I was doing pre and post. I did an inning of play by play that year. I traveled with the team, you know, when they went to Texas, uh, you know, the, 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 the first playoff game against the Yankees was the day of the OJ Simpson verdict coming down and, and traveled to New York. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just, you know, wildly exciting and fun, but you know, I saw what you Mitch and, and uh, the guys were doing at KJR and I saw, look, that's, that's where the fun is happening. I mean, that's where I want to go. And so when I came, I, I came back, you know, it turned out, you know, a week or two before I started, it was the 96 run into the, into the finals. And actually I knew Jerry Reynolds, who was a former coach of the Sacramento Kings really well and went to the first round playoff games in Sacramento. Yep. And, and then, you know, came back to the station replacing you in the middays, if I recall correctly, <laughs> and then worked, worked a couple hours with gas and you, you went to the mornings. Uh... So, you know, it was that, that 96 year was just as much fun. The, the Sonics, you know, then went on their run and, and I really thought, you know, and it's, it's the curse of, of, of all guys who look back, you know, you look back and you think your, your time was the best time, but I tell you what, when the Sonics had George Carl and Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, and they were in our building and you had Lou Pinella managing the Mariners Mike Holmgren coming in with the, with the, uh, with the Seahawks. Yep. It was just unbelievable. A, it was an unbelievable time to be in yeah. Seattle sports. Yeah. Think about, I mean, think about that guys. 95, the 95 oh, run yeah, the Mariners. goes right into 96. Yeah. Gros butted in at the right time. I mean, he came back right <laughs> oh, at the right yeah. time. <laughs> Went to Chicago. I mean, that was yeah. that trip to Chicago was unbelievable. I mean, we're, I mean, still look, was... we're still looking for C.J. Silas in Chicago. We lost. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Mitch about the rally in the alley. We could do like five hours on the rally. The rally in the, oh. in the alley. I mean, I, I was telling, I told the story earlier where I'm in line at the rally. I'm 22. I'm second from the front of this enormously long line. The Gras walks up. Hotshot, you in line for drinks? Yeah. You're in line for me, too. You know why? Why? Gras is buying. <laughs> <laughs> that was great for me. You gave me 20 bucks. I bought the two drinks and kept the, the change. <laughs> that was fun, I, I, wasn't it, Gras? That was a lot of fun. Uh, that, oh, my God. That was, that was beyond fun. The guys at Jalisco's, it's now Plaza Garibaldi, and I still we still go there all the time. Uh, it, the, the memories there were, were unbelievable. Um, uh, there's a million of them. I, I think of when, when the Sonics uh, actually won the finals game and then I'm standing in the, in the back, uh, in the, in the alley with, with, uh, with Gastineau and, and Kevin Calabro comes walking in after the broadcast. And, and there's one of the waitresses there is, is holding a, a tray of beers and he goes, thanks doll. And he grabs two beers and he bumps one on Gas's head and bumps the other on his own head. Uh, and, and we, we had, we had days like that. We had days like that for years. And then it moved up the street a little bit to, for a while to, um, Mr. Lucky's, which was right across the street, also yeah. right across the street from the from the, yeah. the Coliseum, we kind of yeah. kept the spirit going, and right, and that was that, it was just so much fun. And wow. then I was, you know, with with Jeff Antush, their sales executive over there, was doing uh, pre uh, pre parties for for the Seahawks at the, the J&M. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for and, many years, and that was fun because what I would do is they'd give me a mic. The only thing I would do was just tell people thanks for coming and give them about thirty seconds at the end, and I'd stand outside. I'd always swear <laughs> because we all know, and I don't know, I'm not going to do that here, right? You don't, no, you, you, not can. Swear you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Well, I would, all, I would always go outside and go, 
So how the hell is everyone feeling? We're going to beat these fuckers or not? And you can hear the crowd and they're going, ah. <laughs> Meanwhile, people be driving by the street, you know, looking like this as they're driving yeah. by as I'm screaming at this microphone. <laughs> so uh, it, it was, it was, the, the fun was never ending. Yeah. I mean, it, it was never and ending. And uh, how long were you at KJR? Before you then you went back to Cairo. You went back to Cairo. The first the, the first time I was at KJR was for about a year and a half, yes. two years. Then it was three years at Cairo. Uh, then I was back in '95. So it's it's 2009. Ah, 2008. 2008. Uh, I I they cut my show. And I'm just doing Graz with gas just right. for two hours a day. Right. Which is fun. But I, I come to realize, you know, it's it's a new company. Uh, yeah. It's not very accurately in those guys anymore. The company right. doesn't look like they're doing particularly well. Right. And I realized that I'm, I'm being paid like a luxury item. And this is this is not going to work very long. At this point, Gastineau works on his first book, the one he wrote with Steve Rudman and, and Art Teal. And, and I realized, you know, like seen in many other episodes of I'm trying to remember the show is from. I have no backup plan. I've got no back. I'm thinking of 30 rock. I'm thinking of uh, yeah, the yeah, 30 yeah, rock yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't have a backup plan. Yeah, I mean, none, I got none nothing. of us did. <laughs> well, <laughs> gas is writing a book. He's a writer. and I can't yeah. write. Right. I've got no ideas. So uh, the, the, the whole Sonics thing is, is coming <laughs> looks, looking like that. That's going to go, yeah. go south. And yeah. so one of the guys I really trusted uh, was Gary Wright, who we remember with the Seahawks. Sure. And, and I went to lunch with them and I said, look, do you have any any thoughts or advice, you know, kind of nosing around the Seahawks? He said, look, if the Sonics leave town, if Seattle U goes division one and they get a good coach, that's a situation that can work. And he had been at long beach state when Jerry Tarkanian was there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that made sense. He says, you ought to get the broadcast rights, sell it yourself and, and do the games. And that's exactly what I did. And that, you know, you, you talked about my father beforehand and that, that that's my, my first memories in broadcasting are working for my dad and the Jim Valvano era at Iona, where I did the play-by-play -play when I was 14, 15 years old crazy. and my dad convincing him, which is crazy. One, of the, one of the great stories of all time. You know, he was such a great salesman. And it was Jesuit basketball and Seattle U is Jesuit. And I found a kindred uh, spirit in their athletic director, Bill Hogan. And so I started doing the Seattle U games. And uh, I got Joe Abel, the, form, the guy who hired me yep. at Cairo. I got him to work for me. He was the first guy I hired to work for me, selling Sell the, the games. games. Yeah. And, and trying to find a place to, to put them on. And he, he convinced Dave Pridemore, who, who's, who ran Cairo for a long time, to put the games on Cairo. And they started their sports station. So for a year, I'm, I'm still doing Graz with gas, but I'm doing Seattle U games on, on 710. So that's when it made sense to go back. And so when I turned 50 in 2010, I went back to Cairo uh, for 11 years. So 14 years at, at, um, at, at 710 in, in two different stops and 16 years at KJR. And then Hotshot leaves Cube 93 and takes the Graz chair for a 50% pay cut. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, man. Pay cuts aren't great. <laughs> I can't tell you how many texts that came in. This hot shot sucks. Where's uh, bras? I had to deal with that for like the first six months. <laughs> okay. Let's no, so, yeah, go ahead. Continue. Yes. No, I was just saying. So it just, you know, it, it was um, it was lessons from my dad about, you know, being smart, being good to people, being nice to people. I was able to jump back and forth without without really causing any problems either way. And, and I'm, I know my dad, you know, who, who only saw me jump once, didn't see me jump back, would have been would have been really proud of that. I'm sure he would have. In fact, I know he would have. Uh, the voice of the great Dave Grosby and Hot Shots God and it's Mitch Unfiltered. Let's call this segment number one with Dave Grosby and we will continue. It's time to catch up with Katie Versio, senior financial planner, Evergreen Golf Call, just in time 
to probably make me look silly for the holidays. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Here we go. I'm ready for my holiday version of the trivia contest. We're going to get three questions, and I'm going to go three for three. What's the theme this time around? The theme today is a year-end market recap. So we're going to talk about what happened in the market from January through the end of November. Got it. All right. I'm ready for question number one. All right. So what was the biggest market pullback? So from when the market peaked to trough that we had in 2021? Was it down 2%, 5%, 10%, or 14%? I'll say either 5 or 10. I'll go 10%, Katie. Sorry, it was only down 5% back in September. There was just a small pullback. So this year, there hasn't been too much volatility. In December, we've actually seen about the same level of volatility just in the first few trading days. But the first 11 months were pretty smooth. Okay. I'm 0 for 1, which brings us to question number two. How much was the stock market, or the S&P 500, up for the entire year? So from January through the end of November. Was it up 10%, Big. 17%, yeah. 22%, or 29%? Gosh, I don't think it was up 29%, but it was up big. I'll, I'll go I'll go 17 as opposed to 22. It was actually up 22% through the first 11 months of the year. It's down a little bit now. Like I mentioned, we've had a little more volatility, but it's, but it's been a good year. Ugh. Which brings us to question number three and my last chance to at least go one for three and bat 333, which is good in baseball, but not good for Evergreen Golf Call Trivia. Go ahead, Katie. All right. How much has the price of oil increased from January through November? Oh, no. <clears throat> is it up 20%, 32%, 37%, or 41%? I, have, I don't watch oil. I have no idea. It's got to be one of the middle two because it always is. So I'll go 30. What were the middle two? 32 and 37? That's right. I'll go 37. Well, I tricked you with that one. Uh, It's actually up 41%. So the price of oil uh, of a barrel has gone from $48 at the end of 2020 to $68 at the end of November. (sighs) Another 0 for 3. Another collar, as they like to call it. For Mitchie the Kid on Evergreen Golf Call Trivia. But that doesn't mean I don't love Katie and I don't love our partnership with Evergreen Golf Call. We do. They've been there since the beginning. Evergreen Golf Call is everything wealth. Unfiltered. It's been quite a run here for, for nearly 30 years. I did the first show when I came to town with Bob Blackburn, who had been a broadcaster in town for 40 years and had done the Sonic games. And I did the last talk show a couple of weeks ago with Mike Lefko, who's, who's just beginning his career and, and has a chance to have a, have a long, long career. Continuing on this episode, 173. Hot Shot Scott. Man, wow. I, I, 173 shows of these things. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, Gros. I still still don't know what the hell I'm doing. Well, that's the thing, Mitchie. I mean, you know, when I started, uh, you know, what I used to do, we lived in Lake City when I was first doing the talk show, and I yeah. would drive by Bulldog News on 45th Street in the U District or go by Pike Place Market and get three or four out-of-town newspapers. And I would have an edge on everyone else in town because no one was doing this because there was no internet. 
There was no anything. So when, you know, I talked about how business had changed, you know, when you started, you were, you were really performing, you know, that service, you, you were informing people because they didn't know. Right. And it was also, you know, it, it only made sense to do, to, to communicate with people when you were on the air, you wanted them to listen to the radio station. You didn't want them doing anything else. I, I've never understood podcasting radio stations. If you're still trying to get ratings yes. on the radio station, yes. but that's yes. Don't get me beyond me to understand. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. You and I are for years. <laughs> we're kindred souls on it. Mitch. It made, made no sense to me ever. We're, we're going down but, fighting Graz. We're going down fighting. <laughs> but you think about it now, the job, the job is a 24 seven job. I mean, with with, uh, with social media and you've yeah. got to be on it. You've got to be present. I think the young people are doing it nowadays. I mean, it's the load is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Graz, I have to get back to Sacramento really quick because you once told yeah. me a story when you were doing WWF ring announcing. Yeah. And they once asked you to take a professional wrestler back to his hotel. Do you remember this story? <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. It's it, unreal. It, was, um, and it, you know, it, 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 it ends with him not being happy. <laughs> This was actually, it goes a little bit longer than that because okay. it's me. <laughs> Good, go. <laughs> so it's the mid 80s. It's right before it It, it really, they, they put it on national television and everything like that. But it's the it's the rise of Hulk Hogan. So yeah. Hulkamania. every six months, every six weeks or eight weeks, they're coming in Sacramento and selling out Arco Arena. And they, you know, looking for someone to be the ring announcer because they didn't have other guys doing it. So they asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, I'd love to do it. And it was $150 cash. Nice. You get nice. paid by Chief J. Strongbow, the wrestler, <laughs> right before you did it. Of course you do. <laughs> you just go out and do it. So uh, oh I'm God. doing it for about uh, about a year into it. And, and and one of the guys who runs the arena says to me, hey, Graz, do you want to take a wrestler home? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, do you want to take a guy back to his hotel? I'm like, I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah. Who? He says, how about the animal? I'm like, George, the animal steal? I'm going to take him to his hotel? He says, yeah, yeah, he needs a ride. He, he's, uh, uh, yes, yes, I'll do it. Where do I meet him? So I meet him. You know, he, he turns out now, well, he, he's like all these guys, is, is a real professional and and is actually a, a, an educator, a teacher, but he didn't know who I am. So he's, he's being a little gruff and, and I'm trying to break the ice a little bit. And I ask him, I says, hey, would you like to uh, get a beer? He says, yeah. So I, I take him to my bar at a bar that I went to called the Interlude in Sacramento. Wait a and second. You had a bar that there. you went to all the time? No. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm glad I'm sitting down for that. picture of FX McCurry's in it. So right. I go in there. All my guys are in there. And and my 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 girlfriend's mother, who was a hopeless drunk, is in there, too. And, and I asked the animal, I says, hey, would you scare this woman? And he goes up to her and he sticks his tongue out which is green green yeah and she yeah. falls off the chair he tells jokes this is it's the most amazing time so six weeks later you know he comes in but no one asked me to take him home and I, I'm, I'm bummed out you yeah. know I, I thought it would have really been fun flash forward to six weeks after that they're back in town the main event is randy macho man savage against george the animal steel sure. so i go see the chief to, to get paid at the start of the thing and he says here sign here and he gives me my hundred dollar bill and my fifty dollar bill and he says oh by the way the animal's mad at you. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean the animal's mad at me? Why would he be mad at me? What, 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 right. Why would he be mad? Yeah. He says, he said, the, he said, you gave him a ride a couple of weeks, a couple of shows back and took him out for drinks. You didn't take him out to a drink this time. And he's upset. I'm like, but no one asked me. No one asked me. I would have taken him for sure. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't, don't let him be mad. He can't be mad. And I go back and talk to him. He's like, no, you can't. Now, un un understand, kid. 
he may chase you. Oh, <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm having a heart attack at this point. Of I'm course. like, no, he can't chase me. He can't chase me. Right. I can't run. I'm wearing a tuxedo with tuxedo shoes. He's like, look, if he chases you, you got to run. <laughs> Don't let him catch you. That's right. Because if he catches you, he's got to do something to you. <laughs> and I'm like, do something to me. What do you mean? Do something. You can't do something to me. I'm just a ring announcer. Right. So I- I'm in mortal fear. Right. And, and it goes on. And I introduced the macho man first. And his opponent from Benton Harbor, Michigan, George, and he comes running out like oh, he always no. does oh, and points and goes, you and I drop and roll <laughs> and I go running around the ring. And I'm like, this is this is he's going to catch me and he's going to catch me immediately. And it was the, the love uh, Macho Man's manager was the lovely Elizabeth, you his wife, sure. oh, Miss Elizabeth. Rest she, in peace. she yeah. kind of bewitched. She kind of bewitched uh, the animal and kind of, you know, saved when, your life. <laughs> saved my life was right. And so I went backstage and I said, you wouldn't have really hurt me, would you have? And he said, it's live, live, live entertainment, kid. Yes, I would have had to body slam you. <laughs> I said, would you like to go for a drink tonight? He said, yes, I would. I said, that's fine. Let, let's go. My car is right here. So, yeah, that was that was my, that was my wrestling oh, story. Love, that, that was a lot of fun, too, for a couple uh, of years. All of a sudden, Graz is in the business and he's, he's going to get his ass kicked by a wrestler. I love oh, that. Oh, <laughs> running in I'll never forget. Shoes. I'll never forget him saying, if he catches you, he's got to do something. <laughs> that's to right. You. And he does. It's, you know, they got to keep that that kayfabe going, oh, you know, <laughs> such crazy. legendary stories with Dave Grosby all these years and Seattle sports radio uh, Super Bowl trips. Any stories jump to mind? Hotshot and I were talking about stories that I remember, and I I have a lot of fun. I will say that Graz and I, for as many years as we worked together at KJR, we really didn't work together at KJR. Opposite ends of the clock. Yeah, well, we did some stuff together. We would do a year-end prediction show. Yeah, and we I really enjoyed having all the guys in for the year-end, and we do the predictions, and then we play them back the next year. And we would also do some stump the band with Gross. But you, you, you seem to have worked with everybody on a regular basis, except for me. Uh, my fond memories of you and me, well, I have one in particular that I'll hold to the end, which is the first memory. You probably don't have any any recollection of the first time that you and I met. I remember it absolutely clearly, vividly like it was yesterday because it was so special to me, but I'll come back to that. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl trips. I remember one, I don't know if you do or not, so this may fall fall on deaf ears. I remember going to to New Orleans with you. You and I went to New Orleans. We were walking, we were walking Bourbon Street. I can't tell you which of all the Super Bowls that were in New Orleans, I remember you in a white, what did you call it, Hotshot? A it's white like tracksuit. Like, like a track, like a fila, like a Like white, a mafia tracksuit. Like a white on white. <laughs> we've, right? we've always had an argument about this because it was a it was a white sports coat. I never had a white, white fila jumpsuit, okay. but it was okay. white it was a ridiculous deadlift shrimp jacket that I fell <laughs> yeah. as I'm walking with you. I was holding a drink now, hold from Pat O'Brien. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Okay. Don't bury the lead. I know, I know the fall is the is the punchline, but what I remember about that trip, and I'm not much of a drinker, as you know, Graz, but every once in a while I'll have a drink. But we were walking down, and probably was the Thursday night before the Super Bowl, and all these bars had these signs that would say, buy one, get four free, or five for the right. price of Jesus. one, or something. And Graz would go in, and we had like three, you know, six or eight people were walking down, and Graz would say, give us 30, give us 35, and the person would come out. This waitress would come out with like like 30 drink, 30 little drinks, and Graz had this big white like Slurpee cup, and you would tell them uh, from mine that you can bring theirs out separate. From mine, I want all of them in this cup. Just put them all right, right in this cup. And a traveler. And, put them in a traveler. 
<laughs> and you were, and so now you can pick up the story on the fall. I remember the fall, but you had this big cup of like five or seven drinks in the cup when you went down in this white blazer, this white sports coat. Tell I remember the story. going down. I remember going down and coming back up. Yeah. And saying to Mitch, didn't spill a drop. <laughs> No, I, I, I certainly did spill some, but I do remember it didn't spill a drop. And that was that was the Mike Holmgren. That was the New England Green Bay Super Bowl. Okay. Because I was actually there for a week working for Channel 13. It's the only reason why I got to be down there for the whole week oh. was I was working. It was it was working that year for, for Channel 13 doing post games. So I actually was doing TV. But oh, I remember that really well. I mean, that was yeah. that was incredibly fun. And actually, the, the tip I learned from you, Mitchie, the other Super Bowls I went to, was to leave the day of. Ah, yes. After I <laughs> after I'd been to a couple, yeah. uh, you know, been to two. I saw I saw the Cowboys win one. I said, you know what? I'm not going to stay for them anymore. No. You fly back. You get first class back. No one's flying. It's all great. Yeah. And I remember the I remember the first time I did it. I was sitting next to Marty Schottenheimer, <laughs> and, and I said to him, I said, to him, I'm surprised you're not at the Super Bowl. And he glared at me. <laughs> He, had, he was a linebacker. He had the yeah. linebacker eyes. Yeah. And he glared at me. He says, I'll stay for it when I'm in it. I'm like, I understand, coach. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> to be talking to him. What do you remember about Detroit and the first Super Bowl for the Seahawks with Mike Holmgren's team going to play Pittsburgh? It was in the cold of Awful. Detroit. Yeah. Everybody hated the fact that we were going to. I didn't happen to think that Detroit was all that bad a city for the for the Super Bowl. What do you remember about those days, Graz? Well, what I remember is we stayed in the worst hotel imaginable. I didn't, but you guys did. 40, <laughs> yeah, we, did. We, we were like we were like thirty miles out of town. Yes, like Warren and, and, and in was, Warren, Michigan, weren't you? Yeah, he was. Somebody, he was, was actually. Was he was at the the eight mile with Eminem. He was like he was in a rap contest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, it was. It was the middle. It was across the street from a from a burned out auto plant. <laughs> And it was 30 miles out of town. So I remember that. I also agree with you, though, Mitch. Once you were in that ring, that little ring of places there, it was really nice. Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought that sports bar next to um, next to the baseball stadium where they had uh, they call it Hockey Town. Yep. Where they had the rush, all the posters, of the Russian guys up there was fantastic. The ballpark was sensational. The football stadium was great. There was a little Greek town area where they had casinos all all serviced by this little tram that went around. So I. I kind of thought it was all right as well, but, um, you know, I thought it was too bad for Seahawks fans at the time because it really wasn't, I mean, it was not New Orleans. It was not, it was not what it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I didn't go to New York though. I, I don't know if you guys went to New yes, York, I which I'm sure York. was, yeah. was, a, yeah. was a fantastic experience. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the when they finally won, it really, really was terrific. <laughs> you said, you said earlier, I think in segment number one of our interview, you said that, um, yeah, sports radio is never going to work when you first came to town from California. Sports, I think all of us thought sports radio is never going to work. Uh, maybe some of us still think sports radio is not going to work. I don't, I don't know. Has it worked? How about just a, an overall opinion of the last 20 or 25 years and sports radio actually working? And Just a sports radio in Seattle. A lot of our listeners are obviously big fans sure. of yours, big fans of KJR. I know KJR and Cairo have gone head-to-head, but... I think Cairo made KJR better and KJR made Cairo better. Just kind of an overall assessment of, of the last 25 sure. years in sports radio. Well, I mean, I do think that, that it, there are two distinct approaches, and that was one of the other benefits of going over to work for Cairo when I did is they were ESPN radio. So I, I want I never really had that experience of seeing how ESPN functioned, get, getting, you know, emails from from Bristol and things like that and understanding how show prep was done in that way. So it was a different approach to it. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing about KJR is that everything was new. I mean, it was, you know, there was no rules. 
everything was new. I mean, uh, the, the first big story when I was there, besides uh, the Husky, great Husky football team, uh, the year and a half I was working there was was the Mariners possibly leaving because Jeff Smullyan had gotten and it was unfortunate for him. He had bought the team and then all of a sudden the um, the, the bill came down for collusion. Right. And each team was hit for about 15 million and he couldn't afford the team anymore. And so he was talking about going to Tampa. And so we wanted to find some if we could find someone on sports radio in Tampa to go on the air with us. And Rick Dupree found me this. He said she calls herself the fabulous sports babe. And so we went on the air, went on the air with her for, for 10 minutes. And I told Rick Scott, who was the PD then that, look, if you're looking for someone, this gal is completely different than anything that you might expect. She, she, she's got a lot of talent. She would really be a tremendous hire because she wouldn't be what people are expecting at all. And so she came in then. And, and then actually, I remember really feeling like we had made it as a sports station when Bruce King, the old uh, anchor at, at, ah, uh, at yes. Como TV, said that he thought the 15 minutes when Nancy and I did crosstalk together was the best stuff he'd ever heard on radio, which, which was a <laughs> tremendous compliment coming from a guy who worked in New York. And uh, I think, you know, she she paid, played a huge part in, in kind of the expansion of it, the idea of it. Mitch, you played a, a gigantic role as well. I remember the first time you, you, you talked about it, uh, first time you went on the air, you took it to, to a different place, you know, in, 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 in kind of big guy talk radio, which is what sports radio was for a long time. Uh, in, in a real good way, I thought, you know, you really expanded. And, and that's what kind of everyone who came in did is sort of push the boundaries a little bit to what it could be, add a little bit more to it. Yeah. Um, you know, at a great pairing with Mike Gastineau, and that was that that happened the second time around. And we actually did a bit of dry run in Phoenix to make sure it would work. And and, you know, that worked out well. And, and I thought, you know, me and him together, you know, the, the first really successful team together you know, kind of led to, to that, that working out as well. So it was really, you know, the first time through uh, at KJR was, was, was really, really special. And then being able to be a part of starting something up a second time uh, and having a second life, uh, you know, at, at, uh, at 710 was important as well. And, you know, my, my health became an issue. And, you know, I also had, you know, one of those moments where, you know, you have a decision to make and it's a split second and I'll try and tell the story quickly. I'm working with Bob Stelton, who we both know, rock star Bob, you oh, know, yeah. who, was, who was hired to be my co-host there. And, and so we're doing the show together and, and, you know, we're each one of us are bringing in different segments and it's choppy. It's not quite working the way it should be working. And, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, this is not working all that well. And, and I got to kind of think about what I'm doing now, where I'm at right now. And and so we go into a meeting with Mike Salk and, and Mike is the program director at the time. And he says, all right, we're, we're going to change things up. We're just going to have Bob introduce every segment. And at that moment, time stood still. And I thought, you know what? I could just go with this, agree with this, not make a big deal out of it because it's not a big deal. It's nothing that anyone know, doesn't know about, but just people on the air know about. Become the nice avuncular guy, you know, that, that everyone likes. Just take my career in a different direction. I mean, this is all within a, a, a half second, I'm thinking this. Yes. And I said, okay. And, you know, made Mike Salk's life easier, made my life easier. Um, I just had a completely different outlook on things for, for the remainder of my career that, that look, I was going to be a positive guy. I was going to appreciate every moment I had. I was going to try and be as helpful as I could be. And, and, you know, I got a chance to work with a tremendous number of, of great young broadcasters over there, Mitch guys in their twenties, uh, you know, and, and not just guys, Stacy, Stacy Ross, who's, who's terrific. Lydia Cruz was terrific. 
Um, Jake Heaps, you know, who's from that quarterback school that we're, we we started. We all started that with with Hugh Millen and, and and those guys at KJR, just just creating great broadcasters and and you know just had a chance to, to work with a lot of great young guys with the right attitude. That just I was going to be helpful. I was gonna I was gonna be positive. I was not gonna be fighting for every minute. I was not gonna be worrying about my career. I was gonna be enjoying it, and it really did work out for me in a really nice way, you know, and, and, uh, everyone was really Great. nice to me over Great. there and it helped me extend my career. I yeah. thought. Yeah. Uh, Scott, you got any more stories before I asked Scott Graz what we should do with the Seahawks during the off season? Just Graz, you remember being at Jimmy Shapiro's wedding and it was in Kirkland and it was brutally hot and we're kind of on the water at the hotel and there's two places yeah. to get drinks. And each line was about 40 people long and we're just baking in our suits. And finally you come up to me and you say, uh, hot shot, come with me. So you and I go into the hotel bar. It's air conditioned. There's no one in there. And we walk up to the counter. Graz goes, I'll take a, you know, seven and whatever you were drinking and hot shot. What do you want? And the bartender looks at you and goes, Hey, are you guys with the wedding? And you said, yeah. And he goes, well, you know that the drinks are free if you, and you just took your credit card and you hit the table and you said, happy to pay. Yeah, and that's keep it open. The, the, the best lesson I ever learned. Like, what is your time worth in life? I'm going to go stand in line for an hour for all, a free all this, drink. All, all this, all this shtick, uh, Graz, in the bar, all the bar stories that come from your dad. Was your dad a, a guy who would go to the, the neighborhood bar and drink? Where, where does all that come from? My dad never had a drink uh, in his life after wow. he turned 18 years old. You're he kidding. got drunk one time and never drank again. Wow. My mom never drank. Wow. Um, it came from, you know, it was the romance of, of broadcasting, Mitch. When I was when I was a kid, I first went to work with my dad when it was when I was 11 years old, 1971, WAKR in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, uh, it was a television station, too, which wasn't impressive. But there were these guys with microphones like this. Yeah. And they were barking into them. There were just these rock jocks, you know, in the 60s. Yeah. And they're smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And the guy's drinking whiskey when yeah. he's on the air. And I'm like, that's for me. That's, that's for me. I found my people. And then I heard stories about, you know, read, read stories about Damon Runyon and the great old writers and, and drinking was always a part of it. And so to me, unfortunately, <laughs> in retrospect, yeah, that was part of the romance of, of the whole thing. And then... I, I like picking up tabs. As I think Hotshot remembers. Yeah. And I used to go to. I used to have a line that I'd use at you the company fly, parties. I buy, right? That's, yeah, that's like that. right? That was for lunch too. I oh, think I God. bought I about so 5, many thousand lunches. You bought me years. about three thousand. And what one time? Well, remember there was a. I was going to say what time you said Hotshot. I buy you fly. I said, but I already had lunch. You looked at me. and You said you look like a guy that could do a double lunch. <laughs> go. <laughs> He was right. When we'd, we'd have company functions, I'd always say the first hundred bucks is on the gras. That's right. Uh, yeah. and didn't you have and, a Magic and, FX McCrory's card too? That God. just for a while somebody had a Magic FX card that was just you could just throw anything you maybe wanted Gaston, on there. Maybe, maybe yeah, I don't know. Maybe one Gaston, of you guys had it. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just it just so it was sort of the romance of of, of being an, an old an old school broadcaster. That was that was just a part of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we end, two last things. First of all. We record this on the Sunday that the Seahawks decided to come to life. I think we're all ready to start the season now. Let's yeah, uh, let's right. start. We're all ready to start. They uh, they went to Phoenix or Glendale or wherever they went and really put a hurting on the Cardinals, played a very good football game. Everybody wants to know, should they change the coach? Should they change the GM? Should they trade the quarterback? So let's find out what the Gras thinks the offseason from the Seahawks should be all about. A line that I've used a million times over the years, even though it's not necessarily – true this year is don't get tired of winning. Don't get tired of winning. It's a mistake that we saw made by the Sonics with George Carl, with the Mariners, with Lou Pinella. 
you're successful now. You, you, don't get tired of it. You know, I understand that this year wasn't. It's the eight times the last 10 years in the postseason, 12 wins a year ago. Pete Carroll can still coach. He can still is communicating. You've got a quarterback in his prime. Make him happy. You, 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 you really tread at your own peril if you walk away from something that has worked better than anything has worked in this franchise. So for my money, and I've got no idea, obviously, what, what's going to happen or what, what the new, not the new owner, what Jody Allen's going to do. Right. But you've got something that, that's not broken. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try and fix it. I'd, I'd keep Russell Wilson. I'd keep Pete Carroll. I'd keep doing what I'm doing. And I just chalk this year off to bad breaks and, and some and injury trouble. The great Dave Grosby. Well, we'll end here. And I, I teased it a couple of times. I've told this story uh, on the podcast. I've told it on, off the podcast. When I came in 19, I, I did an audition in December of 1994. They were still looking for a full-time replacement to the aforementioned babe, sports babe. Brian Wheeler was in on the middays, but he was kind of on an interim basis. And they uh, they allowed a 20-something-year-old guy to come in from Washington, D.C. and do a, uh, do a midday audition for a couple of days. And I did, and I was different. I was East Coast. I was guys talk. I was... I viewed, I viewed the platform a lot different, the format a lot different than anybody had heard from out here. And I came out and I started, they offered me the job, and I started in January of 1995, January 15th, I believe, 1995. And as you might expect, it was a, uh, uh, just an absolute dud. Whatever ratings they had, I don't know that they had much ratings to begin with, but whatever they had with Brian Wheeler filling in for uh, <clears throat> the sports babe, they tanked. Everybody hated this guy. Get this guy out of town. The people that I worked with hated me. The people that were salespeople hated me. Everybody hated the audience hated me. They couldn't. People were calling and, and offering to drive me back to the airport so that I could take the next flight out of town. And I remember vividly the Sonics were playing their games in Tacoma that season, 94-95. And I went right. to a Sonics game in Tacoma and I came back. And one of the guys, I think it was Rick Turner who was who had befriended me at the time. He said, "Why don't you come with me? A lot of us go over to this to this Duke's place, but this is the Duke's in Queen Anne, right? Across right, like right. a like yeah. a, yep, a couple yep. of yeah, a couple of blocks away from what we were just talking about. Two blocks from one ninety Queen Anne. That's yeah. right. And it had the two levels. It had the two yep. levels. Yep. And I and I went in, and it wasn't more than a you know a week or two, maybe ten days, three weeks." After I had started, I was really feeling down. I was feeling lonely. I missed Washington. I missed my my folks in Florida. I missed everything about the East Coast, and I was questioning myself every night. In fact, I was crying every night. What am I doing here? What am I doing with my life? And I went in with uh, Rick Turner. I think it was Rick Turner, and we went in, and there was a, a pretty good gathering of people in that Queen Anne Dukes, and I was introduced to this guy, Dave Grosby, who was explained to me as a guy who used to work at KJR but now was working at 710 Cairo. And you came over to me in your own inimitable way. You kind of sauntered up to me <laughs> and you put your hand on my shoulder. You said, Mitchie, nice to meet you. You called me Mitchie the Kid. That's the first thing you did. <laughs> you called me Mitchie the Kid after the Billy Crystal character in City Slickers. You're the first person to call me that. And you said something to the effect of, I know it's not easy. You've kind of put your finger up and you said, I know it's not easy. And I know it's a difficult transition. You're doing great. You sound great. It's going to work. Just have patience. Stay with it. You're going to be great. You're going to be fan. Something like that. And you were the only person, and I, 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 I'm I, almost tearing up right now telling the story. You were the only person that that did said something like that to me. You were in the business for, I didn't know who the hell you were. I didn't know anything about you. 
except that I knew that you came up to me and you said that, and you kind of fueled me. My, my, my folks came out, uh, celebrated a birthday with me, as I recall. <laughs> I think you and my dad got together, and you kind of emceed yeah. my birthday. Do you remember that at the Palisade restaurant? Oh, no, your dad your dad called me. We, we set the whole thing up. We oh, up a, tell me about that. Do you, you, do you have any re- recollection of that phone call? I'd love to hear that. Uh, uh, I can't remember it as well, as, but I remember how I felt which was kind of like I explained with the Dave Wyman linebacker eyes. Yeah. Your dad was intimidating and nice at the same time. And I realized <laughs> I better not mess this up. <laughs> I recommended Palisades. I recommended the place. And, and he says, well, if you think it's a place Mitchell like, and I'm like, no, I, I don't know if this is a place. That Mitchell <laughs> this guy's serious, but I think it's a place that he'll like John Howie was running it. He'll make it nice. Yeah. Right. No, I remember that really well. I, I don't remember. Uh, I, I'm glad I said those nice words to you. I'm glad I encouraged you. I certainly remember meeting you. I remember being Dukes because they did the dollar fifty steaks or something like that. <laughs> yes, at, at yes. Late night happy hour at eleven o'clock was a great deal. Yes. And um, yes, and that's yes. That, that's a that's a great story, Mitch. Yeah. And I remember feeling that way about you the minute I heard you. I mean, I, I thought you were different. I thought you were special, and I Thank thought you. you were you were definitely going to make it. And I was surprised. I guess if, if you told me you weren't doing well, I was surprised to hear it because I thought you sounded fantastic Thank from you. day one. Thank you. And you, and you still do now. You uh, still do now. Always special to me. Dave Grosby, after how many years in Seattle? Jeez, 31. I got in, uh, last, last day in L.A. was the Iowa-Washington Rose Bowl before the undefeated season. I wow. did the morning show in L.A., and I drove to Seattle that day. Is that Jock Robinson or no? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Mark no, Brunel, that was, Greg no, no. Lewis. It was Mark, Mark, right, Mark Brunel. Mark um, Brunel. It was the yeah. year before Billy Joe Hobart and the guys had the undefeated season. They, okay. beat, they beat Nick Bell in Iowa. Oh, I love Nick Bell. That's my guy, number 43. Well, we are, we are thrilled to have you on the show. Show. Uh, I hope we can call upon you every once in a while. Will oh. you do it with us on a semi-regular basis? I think everybody would love to hear from the Graz. Oh, I would do anything you ask, Mitchie, anytime. Yeah. I'd love to. And great to see you too, Hotshot. Thank Good you. you and by the way, congratulations yeah. on getting that beautiful couple to, to pose for your picture in, in your Christmas card. <laughs> I can't believe you found two lovely ladies like that. To, to, I don't have to pay for them to do that. Did you forget I was on Cube ninety three for ten years? I, I, I mean, Jesus! If I if I can't get a hot wife on the uh, on the biggest morning show in the city, I don't know what the hell I'm in radio for. You guys, yeah, KJR was men twenty five fifty four. I hit the bricks for women eighteen thirty four. That was awesome. That's the truth. Uh, we love you, Gross. Thank you for doing this. The best of us. Stay, stay, stay as healthy as you can, and we'll be in touch. We'll do it again sometime soon. Okay. Sounds great. Let's catch up with the Zeke's Pizza president, Dapper Dan Black, who joins us back on the Zeke's Pizza hotline. How are we doing, Dan? How are Zeke's Pizzas doing? Well, obviously, I'm looking good, given my nickname. Uh, uh, Yeah, no, and Zeke's is doing well. Post-COVID, it's fun being open, having dining rooms open again. Pickup and delivery is still going good. People are ordering pizza, they're ordering beer. So, yeah, it's fun. You know, Kraken fever is at a high, high pitch Everybody's loving the Kraken. Everybody's loving Climate Pledge Arena. And the first ever location that I went to of Zeke's was that Belltown location. I would imagine that's a good spot pre- and post-game Kraken. Yes? Oh, yeah. It's been awesome. We love the Kraken, uh, especially at that spot. You know, you mentioned the Belltown restaurant. It's got a great bar. I mean, it's like we always talk about. We have a really awesome Pacific Northwest beer list. But we've got cocktails, wine, everything you want in a full beer. So, yeah, that location has been really lively before the game. The restaurant and bars packed out. And then post-game as well. We stay open late on Kraken nights. And so the bar fills up after. After the games, people just want to keep the party going, and and we're happy to do it with them. Now you, now, you told us about Spokane the last time you were on the show. 
what are we doing? We got a couple of newbies coming to Western Washington, I understand. Yeah, we're swinging hammers in Spokane. It's getting close. Uh, but then, yeah, we got a couple on the west side here, too, that are that are within striking distance. Uh, Mill Creek up north uh, is going to be coming online relatively soon. And then White Center as well, closer into the city. And yeah, we expect them both to be really fun. The one in White Center is right in with Beer Star and stuff. So it's going to be a really cool location. And what's the Black family holiday choice in terms of orders? Yeah, for whatever reason, when it gets cold, we start to go a little bit more spicy on our end. So we're still drinking those fresh hop IPAs, so lateral A. But then the pizzas we're ordering that go good with them are the cherry bomb and the dragon which are kind of two of our classics both got a little kick to them so nice. that's what we've been ordered gotta love zeke's pizza great partner of mine going back to the radio days and dan black has been incredibly kind to us zeke's pizza homegrown in the northwest unfiltered so there you go there's dave grosby uh, Dave Grosby, Joe Fan, Brady Henderson, other stuff segment episode 173. I got a a million things. Do you have a million things? A too? million, yeah. Oh, no. but I'll this keep it. Not going to be good. But we may have some of the same, so that'll just make it a wash. Okay. Yeah, you want yeah, me yeah. to go first? You want to go first? Go ahead. Last week we spoke on the P show because we didn't do a show last week, the free show. Yeah. We spoke about Mark McLaughlin. Tell everybody what to who Mark McLaughlin is. Yeah. And what he did before I get into the next. Into the next story. Well, apparently he was a really good high school basketball I remember. player. Very good. Got Inglemore High School. Okay. Oh, Inglemore. Okay, that's yep. right. And yep. then he went to UW. It didn't quite work out. Went to a couple of places. A couple, that a couple different yeah. schools. Didn't Romar wanted him. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. good. Six six. Yeah. And now he's a dad. He's a dad. And he's got a kid that plays basketball. Middle schooler, correct. And he and his son and another kid got in a little scuffle. The ref tried to separate them, and all Mark saw was the ref shoving his kid trying to get him to, away from the other kid. Yeah. Mark comes out of the stands like it's a goddamn WWF show right. and slams into the ref. 73-year-old ref goes down on his face, yeah. face first, breaks his nose. I think there was a broken bone in his jaw, yeah. bloodied. Uh, by the way, Mark McLaughlin is probably now 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 300 pounds, pretty close to big, big 300 guy. pounds. He knocked this guy down. From behind, guy didn't see him Blindsided coming. Him, yeah. Right. Got arrested, second-degree assault charges. Right. Yeah. So that was last week. Yeah. So this week, last week was Mark McLaughlin. This week we've got, we've got um, a Tennessee. What are you laughing at? I just, I know this story. It's a incredible. Tennessee state representative. Yeah, his name is Jeremy Faison. I think that's the way you pronounce okay. it. Okay, F A I S O. Yeah, we wouldn't want to get his name wrong. <laughs> a sympathetic figure that we got to be careful with. Video shows that Faison. sitting in the stands before players hit the ground on a loose ball. This is a kid's. Uh, a kid's basketball game, spurring the referee's whistle in a brief scuffle between the two teams. Faison showed on the uh, on the video, he goes up on the court, he goes up to the court, he was then told a referee to leave, or by a referee to leave. Faison then pointed a finger at the referee's face and said, you can't tell me to leave this floor, this was your fault. Right. Faison then grabs the ref's pants and tugged him down. The referee's pants stayed up. He failed, and Faison subsequently walked away. He apologized. The state representative, Republican state representative of Tennessee, says, I acted the fool tonight, and I lost my temper on a ref. I was wanting him to fight me, totally lost my junk, and got booted from the gym. I've never really lost my temper, but I did tonight, and it was completely stupid of me, 
Emotions getting in the way of rational thoughts are never good. I hope to be able to find the ref and ask for his forgiveness. I was bad wrong. Yeah, he's uh, not the most articulate lawmaker <laughs> I've ever heard of being bad wrong. He also said it's not Christian and it's not mature. Not and it's Christian, embarrassing it's not, yes. to the child. Yeah, I know. Have you ever been pantsed? It's pretty awful. Yeah, I think I have. I, I remember probably somewhere I, along the line. I mean, I, that was like more of like an 80s, 90s <laughs> thing. I don't think that nowadays you'd be pepper sprayed and zip tied and taken right. to jail, right? Correct. But I remember being in high school under a squat rack with weights on my where you're helpless. Yeah. And people and someone did it to me. You know, it's like the worst thing ever. But I had a weird instinct when you're mad at someone to just yank their pants down. What? Why? What? But I don't get why. Like, if you want to fight him, fight him. But why are you yanking on his pants? I don't get Maybe that. he thought, geez, I'm a state representative. If I throw a punch or a shove, I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. So let me pants him. It'll be better. <laughs> I guess. That's what I think. It's just good, solid what I think. Tennessee thinking right there. <laughs> anyway, there's the bell. Oh, God. This one was so weird. Washington Wizards announcer Glenn yeah, Con. Is, is it Consor? Yes. Apologize yes. Thursday for a reference to Houston player Kevin Porter Jr. Rainier Beach is Kevin Porter Jr., Indeed. right? Indeed. To, he made a reference Indeed. about the kid's dad, kid, about the player's dad on yeah. Wednesday. Uh, he said, so Porter made a three-pointer with 0.4 seconds left to beat the Wizards. Right. Consor said, you've got to give credit. Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled that trigger right in the right time. Right at the right time. Okay. Kevin Porter Jr.'s father reportedly pleaded guilty to manslaughter and the shooting death of a teenager in he 1993. Did. He did. Right. He so did. that was the reference that this... And then he died... Of a gunshot wound. in two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, trying to help yeah. somebody who was getting. Attacked. Okay, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna defend Glenn Consor. I don't know Glenn Consor from my time in Washington. Uh, the explanation is, is that there was another Kevin Porter in the league mm -hmm. many, many years ago. If you're old enough like me that remember, yep. you remember a guard named Kevin Porter played on the Bullets. Yep, the Washington Bullets. Twice. And whatever. Um, Glenn Consor says that's who I thought his father was. Right. I had sense. no idea yep. about the tragedy involving his family, and this is just. What I would say, if you believe Glenn Consor in his in his description of what happened, if you believe him, I don't know, maybe you don't believe him. If you don't believe him, then you think he's the world's worst human being that he would yeah. say something like that. I I tend to believe the good in people unless they give me a reason not to. So I I, I can't believe that an announcer would go there intentionally, like he would be that vicious. But I guess that's up for you to decide. If he truly thought it was the other Kevin Porter and he's just using a phrase that he had no idea how it would apply to Kevin Porter, then it's just an unfortunate thing that opens a lot of wounds and it's sad. Now, Kevin Porter Jr. has had a very difficult upbringing. Yep. It's well chronicled. Start at, at, at Rainier Beach yeah. while the other Porter Jr. was playing at Nathan Hale High School and while, uh, you know, Jalen Noel and Dejon Davis were all playing. Kevin Porter, I think, was a slightly younger, maybe a year younger than those guys. He was a great player. I've seen him play in high school. Okay. He had a very tough childhood, a very tough tough uh, upbringing yeah he's made some mistakes along the way i think he went to usc and it didn't work out i'm doing this based on memory he's had some problems in the nba staying right he's had some mental issues and you could understand why he would have demons yeah. with the way he grew up so it's just an embarrassing humiliating terrible situation all the way around i went back and looked at the kevin porter who played for the washington bullets kind yes of, just kind of curious maybe he was known for game-winning shots no he was known for his assists. Yes, he was. I remember him, yeah. Okay. So you really think the guy was intentionally bringing up the past, knowing that his father, that this guy's father went to jail for for attempted murder? Let's just say I have questions. Really? God. I, I, I have questions. I just can't believe anybody would do of that. Of all the players you're going to reference, 
This this Kevin Porter that played yeah. 40 years ago yeah. is known I, for pulling the trigger no. at the right. No, he I was like a, he was like a, a, a passing guard. No, like he was yeah. like a point guard. Yeah, no, yeah, he had like five thousand. Like, yeah. really? That's yeah. the reference you're going. A I don't player know. that played forty years ago. You're going to look me in the eye. What's his name again? Glenn Consor. Yeah, and tell me you really had that that Porter on your brain. How old's Glenn Consor? I, I don't you're gonna, know. You're going to tell me he's forty. Don't know. And he doesn't remember. He never even saw Probably that not. guy. Probably not. I mean, come on. But why would you do that? But it's a great question. Why would you do that? It's just so outlandish of a thing to say and do that I guess my naivete says, why would he do that? Do you think nobody would catch it or maybe no, a, a few no, would catch no, it? No, It's the internet. We no. catch everything, right? No. I'm ringing the bell. Next. Clay Clay Thompson, as we speak, as we record this, Clay Clay Thompson is doing something. You know what he's doing? No. He's playing in an NBA basketball Hey! Two as as we record this on a Sunday night, Clay Clay Thompson is returning to the lineup for the Golden State Warriors. Okay. Here's some fun facts, not so fun facts. Do what you want with them. Okay. It's been two and a half years Oof. since Clay Thompson, all star Clay Thompson, yeah. Olympic teams Clay, I think Olympic teams Clay Thompson has played an NBA game. First, he had a torn Achilles. Oh. No, first, he had a torn ACL. And then just as he got over the torn ACL, he tore his Achilles. Two and a half years. That's the bad news. It's great that he's back. Yeah. Washington State product, Clay Clay Thompson. Michael's son, right? From the Lakers? Michael Thompson, yeah. former number one pick in the draft son. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. Um, that's the bad news. Turn to good news. Here's the interesting news. Okay. I don't know how many years it was until he got hurt. How many years would you say he played in the NBA? Six, seven, eight? Yeah, I was going to say five or six. Yeah. Okay, let's say six. Okay. Before he got hurt the first time. In the six years that he played in the NBA before he tore his Achilles in November of 2020. It's probably more than six than I think about. But yeah, okay, fine. Eight. Let's say eight. Eight, yeah. He made a grand total. His salaries added up to $79 million in the eight seasons or six seasons or seven seasons before November 20th. In the two and a half years where he hasn't played a game, yeah. he has made $84 million. <laughs> That's good work if you can find it, isn't it? Now, look, he would say, I'm I'm, I'm rehabbing every no, day. I'm not, I'm not begrudging him the opportunity. I'm not either. It's just, it is kind of funny to think about. He's made $84 million <laughs> playing in zero games. <laughs> That's good work. Boy, he's got a hell of an agent, doesn't he? He's got Pete Carroll's agent. Yeah, could, right. <laughs> if Pete Carroll wouldn't have done what he did on Sunday, he could right. make 50 doing nothing, oh my right? Gosh, not crazy. coaching. Good for him, though. Whatever. True. Good for him. So it's $84 million and 79. So he's made $163 million in his career. Not bad. Good to be him. Now, wasn't there some outrage uh, yeah, about him making the all-star team? Because, like, fans are voting and fans are voting. Yeah, for I think Thompson. there was some stuff. People yeah. were pissed off about it. I think he was vote. mad. He was also mad that he didn't make the all-century or all-decade right. team or something. Or yeah, something. yeah. He was mad about that, too. Yeah. Well, anyway. good for him. I'm glad he's back. There he's a hell go. of a player. There's mine. Did, did you want to get into this Ohio State defensive no. back story? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what it is. Do anything ever. Yeah. So this former Ohio State defensive back, Marcus Williamson, he had a very interesting Twitter feed during Saturday night's Rose Bowl between the Buckeyes and Utah Utes. You see any of this? He played in Ohio State's last game against Michigan on November 27th. He had 27 tackles on the season. He didn't play in the Rose Bowl, and he tweeted mid-game that he's retired. He said, I didn't make the trip, figured I'd enjoy my holiday and watch some good ball. Self-care, fellas. Just, just quit. Just like, nah, I'm not going to the Rose Bowl. I'm just going to sit and watch it. And then he proceeded to, like, rip the fans about their football IQ. He's shitting on the coaches. He ripped Urban Meyer. Like, every, he's just going off on everybody. He says, you know, we play a violent sport for free. Well, you get, you do get 
fruition. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Yet narratives like these want you to believe that we're somehow soft or don't love the game if we use our leverage as athletes to make money. So he just said, nah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Who, who needs it? <laughs> and, and I'll sit on my couch and rip everybody on the field. While you're on the topic of football, Saturday night, I don't know if you know this, this new 18th week of the NFL season. Yeah. It brought out all kinds of spe- special activities. They didn't schedule any of the times or days of the 18th week until after the 17th week so they could be dramatic and put two games on ESPN on Saturday that mattered gotcha. and then put a bunch of games in the right time slots on Sundays and put the right game on Sunday night. They did this whole, they went through this whole song at a dance, this NFL okay. thing, right? Maybe people liked it, maybe they didn't. Here's what I didn't like about it. Okay. So ESPN's got two major Saturday night games. I can't remember. I think it was Philadelphia trying to get into the playoffs, and I think the Chiefs were playing yeah. in a different game, right? They got two games, mega games. These are like playoff caliber games. It's Saturday night. every The world is watching. Why is ESPN using their Monday night football graphics and music? And it's Saturday night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't they? Don't they have a big enough budget to do yeah. some new opens? Nah, belt tightening time around why are here. We, why are we forced <laughs> to sit through two games on a Saturday here in Monday night football? Yeah. It makes no sense. No, it sure doesn't. No, well, I know I know the answer. Yeah, please don't write me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I probably won't get back to you like the other guy. Um, <laughs> That's true. I know the reason. It's branding, and you want to say it's the right. Monday night it football. It is kind of funny, yeah, though. Yeah, it's but Saturday. Yeah, come on. Come on. It's weird. Yeah. Two full games. I got to watch the Monday night football graphics? Yeah. Come on. I, I, ESPN. I love that that's what makes you seethe in life. <laughs> I love that you're sitting around by yourself yelling at the you, TV. I, when when mm. I saw that, you know what my first thought was? What? 173 is not going to be a very good show. <laughs> and that thought hasn't left your mind, clearly. All right, your buddy Will Smith. You familiar with Will Smith? Well, I know a few of them. Yeah, not the uh, Ohio State defensive lineman that okay. played for the Saints. Who died. I believe he yeah, died. Yeah, I think he passed away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking Orleans. about uh, Bienvenido on Miami, Mr. Actor, Will Smith. Oh, oh, yes. Will Smith. Yeah, He was getting stretched Jada out. Jada Pinkett's guy, yes, right? Will, the same Will Smith yeah. who recently said that he was having so much sex with ladies that it, at some point it made him nauseous, the thought of, of doing that again with a woman because it was just happening too much. I don't know if we, I don't know if any of us can relate to that. You didn't wow. read that article? No. He was ha- it, was, it was so many women... That it would make him nauseous thinking about having to do that again. Wow. Yeah, I felt really sorry for him. He was getting stretched out for a <laughs> training session with the Miami Dolphins when he seemed to relax just a tad too much, suddenly ripping a big one. And it's all caught oh, on video. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Drawing yeah. tons Leave of laughs from everyone in the room. Down. Training with the Miami Dolphins was going great, he said, until that morning coffee snuck up on me. Now, we've all been there. Only difference is... Will had an entire camera crew capturing his every move. And of course, now that'll just live on the internet Jesus. forever. Can't even rip one anymore without everybody Jeez knowing about Louise. it. Yeah, pretty funny. All right, the Houston Rockets debuted a new concession stand item. I don't know why I'm oh. bringing this up, but you seem to be a guy I'd like to know about food. Uh, <laughs> okay. Jumbo mac and cheese hot dog. Okay. But that's not the center. That's not why I'm bringing it up. All right. So it's a jumbo... It's a jumbo hot dog with mac and cheese smothered all over it. Sounds great. Bacon bits are on this. And then just the most random, who came up with this idea? Fruit Loops. You had me until that. Toucan Sam. (laughs) Jumbo mac and cheese, hot dogs, bacon, and Fruit Loops all involved, Hot Shot Scott. I will quote the the great Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Yes. Just because you you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like d- d- uh, does that make it a better item just randomly know. putting fruit loops on it? Oh like you had God. me the whole way through. I'm in on hot dog and mac and cheese and bacon. Sounds awesome. 
Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would That's be. That's why I brought it to the table. Yeah, maybe it'd be good. I and I'll know. do one more, and then you can do one more. Okay. And then we'll get to the RIPs, maybe. Oh, yeah. I've got, got a lot of RIPs. Yeah, I'll just get right to those for me. Okay. Antonio Brown, do we want to? We can just skip it. Yeah, I think it's the just, late. The latest on the Antonio Antonio Brown is a little bit funny, okay. and that is that he's been on this campaign, like going on podcasts. Not this one, because uh, <laughs> this one's not, not good. Um, he going on podcasts and doing Twitter and sending out sending out copies and screenshots of texts that he had with Bruce Arians. Yeah. He's been going on this nonstop campaign, essentially to say, "This isn't about me, folks. This is about them." Yeah, right. Right. Well, again, there's some and don't ask me because I don't have the details of it. It's not important to the story, but apparently he has a beef with Tom Brady's trainer. Yes. I, yeah. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, I, I saw something about like he, he wants money. money back. He, wants, he gave yeah, him a lot yeah, of money. Right. The Tom yeah. Brady's trainer is kind of a sleazeball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think everybody knows that and he gave him a lot of money and then he didn't get the services. So he wants his money back. So now he's on a rampage through uh, social media to show texts and so forth. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the text exchange with the Tom Brady's uh, trainer. He's going to expose him as being a scumbag. Expo he did expose something, but it wasn't necessarily the guy for being a scumbag. He exposed his bank account information. <laughs> God. His routing number. Oh, no. His account number. The branch. Oh, no. The branch. <laughs> Queen Anne Hill. I mean, like, God. <laughs> Next oh, to no. Tom Tim Todd. That's right. Oh, no. Oh, God. Did he really? Yes, he did. Oh, the And I thought guy. that was funny enough. I mean, him, him. I guess one of the texts, and I haven't seen it, one of the texts by mistake was, was a screenshot. Oh. He didn't realize he's sending it out. He's sending oh, out. No, God. he knew he was sending out, but he didn't realize the part of the screenshot had his account number, the routing number, the whole, all the information you need about his bank account. As if you need to give people more <laughs> ammo to go ahead and hack your info, right? As if you don't think about oh, it every God. time you give your credit card on the internet. I'm yep. telling you. The, the the sad picture of him standing outside of the stadium gates, right, right. looking at his phone, waiting for an Uber was just... Just something so weird and sad Terrible. about it. Awful. All right, we got a lot of RIPs right. we'll get through. Sidney Poitier, that yes. was a big one. Yes. He was an actor and activist who broke color barriers yes. in Hollywood. Very important. 94 years old. Starred in some of the most iconic movies ever. Three of them, To Sir With Love, In the Heat of the Night, and Look Who's Coming to Dinner. All three of those were huge. They all came out in 1967, which I thought was so crazy. He was the first black performer to win the Academy Award Best Actor yep. for Lilies of the Field in 1963. Uh, I thought what was interesting, uh, just a just a really classy individual, a guy who carried the banner, kind of the Jackie Robinson of worldwide motion pictures for his yeah. his uh, transcendent roles. I thought what was really good is not only did he win the one Oscar Oscar for best uh, actor in Lilies of the Field in 1963, but then in 2002, I guess he would have been um, 94 minus 19, 19, yeah, yeah. 75. Yeah, that about right. right. 75 years old, the, the Oscars, the Academy Awards gave, gave him an honorary Oscar. And it was on the same night that Halle Berry won Best Actress oh. and Denzel Washington won Best Actor. That's cool. And they both came up and, and just paid homage to the to the guy who kind of paved the way for right. for uh, African-American actresses and actresses. Just a just a world class guy. Yeah. So sorry Talented. to see that he passed with 94 years old, right? Yeah. yeah. Peter Bogdanovich, you know that name? Before at all? you get to Peter Bogdanovich, I was watching some of the um I was watching some of the uh the obits, some of the um the news coverage of Poitier's death, a Poitier's death. Yeah. And there was a clip of him that I just loved. And it was so simple. He there was a clip of him on with I don't know if it was Barbara Walters or 
somebody on like ABC and from many, many, many years ago. And he says, my mother always taught me the simplest lesson. This is an exact quote. Okay. He said, always say thank you and always say please. It was remarkable how many times thank you and please opened doors for me. Huh. That's I, great. Just, I love that clip that yeah. one of the news newscasts had of Sidney Poitier. Anyway, go can ahead. You, I'm can sorry. You, can you text out to Piper before we go? Yes, I will. <laughs> nice. And Brett and like. Max. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Peter Bogdanovich, filmmaker behind big movies like The Last Picture Show and What's Up Doc. Right. He also famously directed movies like Mask, the Rocky Dennis story, which is awesome. Paper Moon, you might remember, little Tatum O'Neill, right? And then Daisy Miller. Tatum, by the way, was 10 years old when she won the Academy Award for Best Supporting now, Actress for her performance. Mask. Rocky Dennis with yeah. Cher. Was that Robert Swift who played that role or the, the former Sonic Center? He- <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I really thought you had a serious question. By the way, Robert Swift's oh, falling on some tough times. Not- I mean, oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, he yeah. ain't doing well. <laughs> I think he's doing better now, though. Okay, good. I think I saw some a more recent. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I saw pictures that. of that house he bought with his rookie oh, money, and it was God. so sad. It just made me want to well, cry for the guy. Uh, yeah. So, Peter Bogdanovich is yeah, a great, great actor. Yeah. And for you, Sopranos was he, con- fans, was he controversial in some way? Did he drop from his like? Was he unbelievably big as a producer? And then something happened, some controversy in Hollywood, and his career went right down the toilet. And then he came made a comeback. Or am I am I thinking about somebody else? You might be thinking about someone else, okay. but I don't know. You for would sure. know these things. This is this is your well domain. He was on the Sopranos, so somebody liked him in Hollywood. Okay, he he for those Sopranos fans, he played Doctor Melfi's therapist, Elliot Kupferberg. He was 80, ah. 82 years old. And then, of course, we just find out about Bob Saget, sixty-five years. While you were driving over here, they found him in an Orlando hotel room, uh, the Ritz Carlton in Orlando, and no one knows what happened. No one knows. No, uh, no suspicion of drug use. No suspicion of uh, foul play. I guess maybe he had a heart attack or something. Sixty-five, sixty-six. Yeah, I I saw both. You love Bob Saget. I think he's hilarious. See, I never, I never was kind of drawn to him but i know he was on like america's funniest videos and yeah, all that yeah. stuff and he yeah. was uh what tanner was a danny tanner or danny on full he house. was the father the right right house. i never yeah. watched that yet. he's very funny his stand-up's very God, dirty so and very sad. funny and yeah i mean the medical examiner's office did scares say, the hell out of me yeah i mean at that 65, 65 i mean the medical examiner's office will make the final call on the cause of manner of death they don't think there's foul play but they are going to look into it and on saturday night he was in jacksonville doing a show at the ponte vedra concert hall where he actually shouted out the crowd early Sunday morning about like, hey, great show last oh, night. And, God. you know, very so sad. sad. Yeah. He's a funny oh, guy. Funny guy. So sad. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I got some headlines we can run through real quick and then yeah. be done. Yeah. A British father-son duo. segue you made there. A British okay. father-son. I'm a pro. We, we told get, you it wasn't going to be good, folks. Go a, ahead. A British father-son duo has created quite the stir after they posed naked together on OnlyFans. Oh, great. And started making over $40,000 a month. Look, I was bored during the lockdown too, but Maron, if you'd like to see videos of the two chilling completely no, naked, you can become an Only OnlyFans member where the videos are <laughs> where all the videos are uncut. I didn't get it right away. All the videos are uncut. A 29-year-old man is behind bars on multiple criminal charges after allegedly stealing $350 worth of items from a Pennsylvania adult store and for threatening to stab a clerk who sought to stop him. Luckily, the potential murder weapon was made from latex rubber. A UK man took pictures of his Christmas tree, which was decorated with cash and small packets of cocaine. Brilliant. The pictures eventually made it their way to the police who arrested him and also killed his dreams of a white Christmas. 
A statue, <laughs> a statue of a figure with an enormous weenus has been damaged oh, just days after it was unveiled in Peru. The hooded people threatened a security guard with knives before vandalizing it. No word on when the next one will be erected. And finally, a dead <laughs> soccer player, a dead soccer player is being celebrated oh, the God. world over after his former teammates arranged for him to score a goal from his coffin as a farewell tribute. They positioned his coffin in the six-yard box, and a teammate kicked the ball onto the coffin so it would rebound into the goal. After hearing this story, the United States national team has since offered the guy a player tryout. <laughs> don't, don't, don't they miss the World Cup every year? They're very bad. bad. Okay, thank you. Alexi Lawless still on the team. Anyway. <laughs> Who was that kicker? That it was like a, He what? tried out for the Jets. Tony Miola? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony Miola. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember him trying out for the Jets. I think yeah. he tried out for the Jets, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All right? He was anyway. a soccer player. Yep. Okay. That's it? Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry the show sucked. It didn't go so well, we'll but we'll do better. We'll, we'll do better, better the next, next time. time. Yeah. yeah, we will. Hope everybody enjoyed Graz and Joey and, and Brady. Episode 173, ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year from Mitch Unfiltered. Yes. Okay? Happy New Year. 173 is in the books.